I am Joe Poznanski, and with me is Michael Shore. Michael, welcome. Thank you for having me, Joe. You're welcome. You're so welcome. We are doing this podcast live. We're live. <laughs> <laughs> that's, not, that's, not that's not live. It's well, not we have live. an audience. We have an audience of people here. Yeah, but that's t- not what you meant. You meant that we were doing it live and we're absolutely not doing What you're hearing was recorded a long time ago. <laughs> it's recorded in front of a live studio audience. Is of that two, fair? Of two of people, two people yes, who are just right. friends. We are doing it for the first time in podcast history where we are in the same room is really what I'm trying to say. Yeah. So I don't even I don't know what the best the way, way to say, say that. that is not that we're doing it live. It sounded better to say <laughs> we're doing it live. And we're not just doing it live. I'm, look, I'm sticking with the live thing at this point. Right. We're not just doing it live. We're doing it live with the incredible Nick Offerman. Nick, welcome. Are we live? <laughs> <laughs> We're at Wrigley Field. This is insane. How did this stupid, stupid podcast that you and I started doing like in a minor league park one, like spring training park years ago in front of nobody – how did we end up at Wrigley Field? Well, we ended up here because of one of the two people who is sitting in our live studio <laughs> audience right now named Max Berman, who works for the Cubs and emailed you. Emailed all us. of us. I believe all three of us got it. Right. And said, come do this in Wrigley, uh, at Wrigley. And we said, okay, fine. And then it took us a mere nine months to figure out. <laughs> we figured out last night that a baby had been conceived of and born in the time it took us to follow through on that offer. Uh, but now here we are. We're at Wrigley. We just saw the Cubs uh, shellac the Pirates 14 to 1. Uh, thing and sitting in excellent seats behind home plate, thanks to the other member of our live studio audience, <laughs> Bob Warwald, who works for WGN, and uh, and now we're in a room. Let's set the scene. This is what you're supposed yes, to do. Let's set the scene. So we're in a we're in a room in some kind of building, uh, <laughs> so close to Wrigley Field that we can see the outfield lights and also hear the live music that's playing after the game. Um, it's probably what, like twenty minutes after the game ended. Yeah, this is just after the game ended. Yeah, and I mean it's beautiful, beautiful day, beautiful scene. Uh, I mean, clear blue skies could not be. It's the it's the day you dream about That's when right. you want to watch baseball. We sat in a we sat in the sixth row behind home plate. And watched every player on both teams get hit by a pitch. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing. Absolutely amazing. So, And Nick Offerman got to see his beloved Cubs uh, cruise to an easy victory in the heat of a, uh, heat of a playoff race. Yeah, they got, they got lots of meaty hits. Meaty hits. Uh, four home runs in the game. It was, it was very exciting. Very, very exciting. So this is incredible. So this is the first of two podcasts that we are going to be doing in Chicago. This is going to be the worst sounding one yeah with the our first ever live podcast uh is going old school and by old school we mean terrible because we have one mic it's a small travel mic a little apogee frequent that's right frequent <laughs> listeners of the podcast over the last uh, 18 years we've been doing this yes will, will know that after only 15 years we decided to get <laughs> microphones for the first time and the sound quality dramatically improved and now we've gone backwards because we're on location live yes and we have one tiny microphone that's sitting in the middle of this conference table and uh, it's going to sound terrible and we apologize and we promise that very soon we'll get back to the new 
extraordinarily high Dolby surround 7.1 well, sound I, that you're used to. I would say that uh, the second podcast coming from, from Wrigley Field will be the best sounding podcast we ever had because we are doing it live, live <laughs> <laughs> from the WGN uh, yeah. booth at, at Wrigley Field. So that's very, very exciting. Again, thanks to the largesse of... Uh, why, podcast why? studio, why do podcast live this? studio audience, Bob Borwald. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll actually, you be, we'll be using, that'll be a first because we'll be using actual professional equipment. Professional equipment, yeah. that, which we do not deserve. But uh, anyway, that is, it is, it really is exciting. It really is. This is, this is a major breakthrough in the, when we, you know, 200 years from now, when they're doing the uh, oral history of, uh, of the podcast, uh, this will be the whole chapter. This will be a whole thing. Yeah. This yeah. is a big, Day. <laughs> Tomorrow, I'm looking forward to being able to say things under my breath. Oh, yes. Because you're a moment. trained actor. That's right. So you know how to say things <laughs> sotto voce. That's right. That will still be picked up and broadcast using high-powered uh, microphone equipment. And I, there are things I can do with my eyebrows that will transmit wow. uh, across an audio <laughs> medium. So you'll just you'll do this. And people will hear it somehow. Exactly. Wow. Yeah. That's, I mean, I'm excited for this. <laughs> that was a sarcastic silence. <laughs> <laughs> this, this will not work today with our one microphone uh, in the middle of, of nothing. So, uh, before we get into the Cubs, because there's going to be a lot of Cubs, we're going to do uh, our usual Yankee Minute. We have a draft. We have the whole thing. Um we have to, and and there's, there's, it's legally we are legally bound by the Benetti rule to spend three minutes talking about the White Sox. So, that is correct, right? This is the so everyone listening knows about the Benetti rule. It's extremely famous. Um, it's like one of the first things you learn when you become a baseball fan. But sure. the Benetti rule. Uh, as everyone knows, right. is that if you are doing a podcast in a city with two Major baseball teams, teams, correct? You have to spend legally three minutes discussing the other team, right? That isn't the team that you saw play. It was an FCC rule. It's an FCC, it's an old FCC rule from the Nixon era. Yes, it's the Benetti Fairness Doctrine. That's exactly. right. That's what technically yes, it's called the Benetti Fairness Doctrine. It was named, of course, after Jason Benetti. And uh, it was formulated uh, about 24 hours ago when he emailed us and said, you should, guys should spend three minutes talking about the White Sox. So now we're going to follow through. Jason Betty is, is the play-by-play guy for the Chicago White Sox, if anybody doesn't know that. And so we're now going to honor his demand uh, and spend three minutes talking about the White Sox. And it feels like we don't have a song. No, okay. Let's back up for a second. Nick Offerman <laughs> is a frequent listener of the podcast and knows all of the lyrics and tunes to all of the little musical ditties that play for each of our many segments. Correct. And he has volunteered to sing them live today instead of us playing them. So, for example, when we do the Yankee Minute, you're going to hear Nick do this. Yankee Minute. <laughs> so, so we don't have. This is our first new segment. We don't have music for the Benetti rule. Can you come up with a little Benetti White Sox music uh, for us? Let's check in with the Chicago White Sox. There you go. <laughs> All right. So let's let's. I'm gonna actually do, I'm gonna actually start a timer. Okay. And we're gonna spend. We have to spend a minimum of three minutes talking about the White Sox. I, I'm not lying when I say this might be hard. I'm not sure there's three minutes. Well, I of think, stuff to talk about with the I, Chicago White Sox. I think that we're gonna have to focus on two. All right. Well, two hold on. Hold on. Let's get. Oh, let's wait, do this okay. officially. On your mark. Okay. Get set. 
And go. Okay. First of all, remember when the White Sox wore shorts? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. They wore shorts one game. That's insane. Now, what year was that? That was like 78, maybe? That's 78 or 75, 76. I think it was like in the mid-70s. We know it was the mid-70s. We can find that out. And 1976. Okay, 76. Uh, Here's some some facts. I'm looking it up. For three games in August, the White Sox wore... They're regular, actually collared jersey tops okay. and shorts. Right. And according to this website I'm looking up right now, they were eight for eight in stolen base attempts while wearing <laughs> shorts. <laughs> why? Why? Okay, so let's let's break that down, uh, sort of from a sabermetric way. So when you're wearing the shorts, you don't want to slide. Right. So you think that those guys are like extra effort on the jumps. Basically, because of uh, because of the shorts, I'm going to say that it's 100 percent statistical <laughs> noise and zero percent. Okay, you know, sure, it could, it could be that. <laughs> head, it could be head that. first slides. Head first. Head, oh yeah, you well, could that, do head first slides. Wouldn't that be worse? Well, I guess you lift your Skin leg the while tops you're, of your yeah, from the your, top of your knees. No, you pick your feet up. The thing I've always thought about the White Sox shorts is like. There's a nostalgia for bad uniforms of the past, right? Where you look at like awful uniforms like the old Cleveland red uniforms that made the boot Powell look like a giant cherry or whatever. Um, and and there's no nostalgia for that because it looks every bit as terrible now as you remember it looking then. Those shorts were just – they were abysmal. Do you remember the shorts? I don't. That was uh, – I would have been six years old. Okay. So – but listen to this. So this is from Wikipedia. <laughs> On August 8th, the White Sox took the field – maybe it was only one game. The White Sox took the field wearing shorts instead of traditional baseball pants during the first game of a doubleheader against the Royals. Despite winning the game 5-2, to two, the shorts were such a disaster. The White Sox dressed in pants for the second game, which they lost 7-1. to one. <laughs> What are you doing? You're on a heater. You're on a one-game heater with the shorts. How do you change out of them? you got to keep wearing them until you lose. I just don't get it. <laughs> I'm showing Nick for the first time the, the shorts. And, you know, the high socks do not help the shorts. See, I disagree. <laughs> I think the high socks make the shorts. I think if they're wearing low socks, they look like a bunch of beer league players and rec players instead of uh, like a bunch of weirdo maniacs, oh, which is well, what they should look like. We're looking at a little video of it, and we just saw – look at this guy slide. That's yeah. a, that is a full-fledged short slide. And I guess if the socks are high enough, you're not having that much uh, exposed, I guess, right? You're only just kind of your knees and, and that's it. How, are we close to three minutes, by we the way? We are, but I think we should extend <laughs> – the Benetti rule has a, has a corollary, which is you can go – if you spend the first three minutes talking about something that happened in 1976, you can go for one more minute. I, I I would fight that in court. Let's just talk about uh, – let me talk about one more thing, which is my guy, Tim Anderson. Right. Yeah. Two more things, actually, because okay. Tim Anderson's great. So Tim Anderson is hitting three thirty-four and might win the batting title. Mm-hmm. And I think we can all agree that we want Tim Anderson to win the AL batting title. Oh, of course we do. Right? Well, he's the podcast player. He's first the podcast player. Although I, I'm going to nominate a new one today. Oh, really? Yeah. I know. It's, 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 I think it's done. But – he has 12 walks now. He, he went over the 11 oh, walk. Oh, man. Does he really? Yeah. Yeah. Which is, a, which is brutal. Which is brutal. That, I'm not going to lie. That hurts. <laughs> but <laughs> though, even with 12 walks, uh, if he wins the batting title, that would be so cool. He's awesome. The guy I want to talk about for a second is uh, your one of your favorites, uh, Lucas Giolito. Oh, yeah. And here's what I want to talk about Lucas Giolito. Last year, Lucas Giolito – you, everybody knows he had a terrible year last year and had a good year this year. But specifically, last year, he he struck out 
125 guys in 173 innings, which is not a lot of guys. Yeah. Yeah. 6.5 strikeouts per nine, which, you know, in the old days, that would get you into the top 10 or whatever. But now is you're not good enough to pitch in in the league, basically, if you get 6.5 strikeouts. This year, he has 228 strikeouts in 176 innings, almost 12 strikeouts per nine. From six strikeouts per nine to 12 strikeouts per nine, essentially. So you tell me, how does that happen? Uh, who knows? How in the world could I tell you that? I don't know. No, no. But you're supposed to have the answers to these questions. I, he, um, he's so, way better. His velocity's up. I mean, look, there's things going on. Did we talk about this the last podcast? But I can't remember now. If when I when my son and I met him, did we talk about this? We or not? did. We did talk a okay, little bit about. So it, please repeat. It. Well, the thing he said, uh, he said at the time, I was asking him who he modeled his game after, and he said Garrett Cole. Yeah. And he said that I pitch. Exactly the same as Garrett Cole, except every pitch he throws is four miles an hour faster than me. Um, but that might be, in a weird way, the answer because Garrett Cole has has like three plus plus pitches, right? Right. right? right so right, right. if you if you're only a, if you have three plus pitches, yeah. that probably is the answer. He throws a 94, 95 mile an hour fastball and a whatever it is, eighty nine mile an hour changeup and a and a, like an eighty five mile an hour curveball. Like that in this league this year, when everyone is either striking out or hitting a home run, that's probably just the answer. And then also control. What are his walk numbers? Do you have his walk numbers? Yeah, last year it was terrible. Last year he led the league with 90 walks, and this year it's 57 walks. I mean, it's down. So he's he's walking a third... Fewer Less. guys, yes, right? Absolutely. And and so that means that he's uh, he's made a jump in his command. I mean, he's still young. He's a young dude. Well, and like, he was a huge, huge prospect. And when when the Nationals traded him to the White Sox, everybody was freaking out at the Nationals, saying they made a horrible, horrible decision. But then he was the worst pitcher in baseball last year. I mean, he was the worst, you know, starting pitcher uh, in in baseball. And now, I, I, look, I think a lot of people thought he was going to get better, but. It's really the big thing. It looks like when you look at his numbers last year, his his fastball was a disaster. It was a, it was minus thirteen point five uh, runs last year with his fastball. This year, it's up to plus twenty one. So so Man. so just, it's the answer is his fastball. His fastball, but also his changeup. His okay. changeup is uh, a fifteen runs above average pitch. Um, you know, from compared to last year, so he's just better. But it's just so weird. Like you could see him like getting that much better, but that strikeout thing is kind of nuts. I have I have an update for you. Yes, we've done a double Benetti, so we don't have to do one tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> Six minutes and fifty two seconds. All right, worth Jason. Of White Sox talk. Right. Well done. Take right. that, Benetti. Yeah, Benetti. It's over. <laughs> it's over. Think about taking us to court. Forget there's, it. There's no. Uh, there's nothing to. For us to to make us confident that Giolito is not wearing shorts beneath his <laughs> oh. uniform pants, you think that's the secret? Well, he's wearing secret shorts. Secret shorts. <laughs> Do the and math. It is mine. <laughs> uh, let's talk about the Cubs, though. We're here to talk about the Cubs. Hell yeah. We are here to talk about the Cubs. So I feel like Nick, you've talked about this before, but you should give everyone a brief history of your Cubs fandom. Yes. Well, I grew up in the small town of Manuka, Illinois, southwest of Chicago. And uh, it was a farming community. And there were some scattered White Sox fans, but generally, our, our family certainly were all diehard Cub fans. Um, and so we grew up, uh, you know, by osmosis. I remember Manny Trio was the first name that I heard 
in the probably in the mid to late 70s. Those were your first words as a baby. Manny Trio. <laughs> Manny Trio. Yeah. Baby's first yep. words, Manny Trio. Yep. Leo DeRoche. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so, you know, it, it's always been an incredibly charming sort of America's sweetheart baseball team, even though they were terrible. They were beloved. You know, it's the fan base. Like the being a Cub fan was immediately uh, a warm community activity. So we'd go to Wrigley Field every year, and it would be the biggest day of the year. Yeah. And and my dad was a great athlete, and he still is like you guys. He's encyclopedic about his statistics. So he would, my older sister and I, he would quiz us in our long drives to school and to football practice and stuff about uh, Cubs players' statistics mm-hmm. and, and also just like National League st- st- stats. Um, so we really lived for the Cubs. We uh, we were obsessed. The uh, my my sisters and my cousins were in love with, you know, their specific picks. You mentioned earlier that your sister had a specific affinity for one cub. Yes, catcher Jody Davis. Jody Davis. Sure, who didn't? Uh, <laughs> who didn't have a crush on Jody, <laughs> Jody, Jody Davis? Jody Davis, that, that handsome good old boy. Man, handsome, handsome man. devil, yeah. Yes. He's a redhead. Uh, he's a ginger? Yeah. I don't think I remembered that. <laughs> and his backup, Keith Moreland, also a ginger. Wow. Yeah, those were a couple strapping lads. That fits uh, perfectly with today's uh, draft, which is redheaded catchers. Yeah. <laughs> Who's going to go second? That's, that's in my top three Willie Nelson records. By the way. Uh, <laughs> my cousin, uh, more predictably, was, was sweet on Ryan Sandberg. Well, yeah. The Donny Osmond of the Chicago Cubs. Sure. Do I remember correctly, not to get into um, uh, downbeat Cubs, trivia but didn't Sandberg do a press conference at some point in the like late 80s where early 90s or something where he had been offered a contract that was like four years 32 million didn't he say I have to think about my family or something do you remember this do you remember this I feel like he was one of those guys who like was he had turned down the deal and it was uh, an amount of money that you know by any standard was mind blowing, and yet I think he did that thing that later Carmelo Anthony would also do, which was like I have I have to think about my support, like like um, uh, providing for my family or something. Well, but didn't it, he, like I thought more didn't he retire in the middle of the season? He did. That's yeah, what he yeah. did. Yeah. That, did. That I remember him retiring, and then he sat that out used a to whole happen. year. Remember Mike Schmidt did that too. Yeah, Mike Schmidt like played into like May some year and it was like I can't do this anymore I, I'm I'm retiring and then he still made the all-star team <laughs> because he was Mike Schmidt and that it was a thing that I used to use when I was blogging on Fire Joe Morgan the now defunct Fire Joe Morgan uh, where people would say like people would make Hall of Fame arguments for based on how many all-star teams a, a, a player would make. And I would say Mike Schmidt made the all-star team one year and he had retired <laughs> three months earlier. Like that's not a good measurement of uh, how of a player's hall of fame status. The thing that, that I remember about Sandberg was him retiring. That was in 94. I'm going to look this up. I feel like there's, there was some like m- very minor kerfuffle about Sandberg. Well, maybe that's why, maybe it was shortly after that, that he retired. And then he said, you know, I just, uh, I lost my love of the game. It's a, it's all, 
all over. And he sat out 95, and then he came back for two more seasons where he wasn't particularly good. Um, looked like he was okay, and he had 25 home runs in 96. But uh, but it was like, what, the, the love came back? It was just a very weird, very strange, strange uh, uh, thing. And I wondered if that kind of hurt his Hall of Fame because it took him a little while, right? It took him like three or four years uh Three years for him to get in the Hall of Fame, and I've thought that, that so it's something. I'm a little foggy. Didn't he play for the Wizards at one point? <laughs> the Washington Wizards? Yeah, I don't that, think so. That was no. no I, it was the other. Wait, I remember this now. There was there was a Chicago athlete that was played Jim, for Jim McMahon. I think. McMahon. <laughs> Right, it's coming. It back. was Gary Fensick <laughs> played for the Wizards for a year. And it didn't for, work out. For, well. Yeah, for a couple of years. <laughs> How did you feel about about Michael Jordan? Uh, like at the end, where he, where like one that he played for the Wizards, two that he was like he was a shell of himself. He was still like he still scored points, but it was all he he couldn't jump anymore, and it was all like fadeaway jumpers. But there's, you know, Mr. Chicago. How did you feel about that? Well, it was definitely mixed. You know, there, you know, it, it tapers off in that way where you're like, oh, gosh. It Actually, the example I'll use is the way Mike Schur completes his television series. End strong the way you want it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. If, you, if you're able to write your own ending, do. Because otherwise you might end up with with a, a back and forth weird up and down Jordan ending where you're like eh, he, he used to be amazing yeah 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 have you ever thought about doing Parks and Rec just purely as fadeaway jumpers like the way Jordan did? <laughs> <laughs> well you know uh, uh, there there is like a do you remember did you guys read that book When Nothing Else Matters yeah we, we've talked about this maybe before not on this podcast but the, there's uh, a reporter for the Washington Post I think wrote a book about Jordan in the year he came out of retirement to go play for the Wizards again and it's so interesting and sad and kind of bittersweet because it's just a competition monster who yes. decided I need more competition in my life and he decides to do it and there's all these rumors the guy was just going to write a piece about how he was going with him as a as a front office guy right and then it ended up being a, a sort of tale of like he just never he was a guy who never believed he couldn't be the best and then he was 38 or 39 or whatever he was and and he you know he's working out i think he's working out with ron artest before he comes back to get into shape and then artest um he was like play tough with me play tough and artest hit him or like bodied him up and he got injured and then it was like well now you can't come back and he just did anyway right and then he just you know everybody else on that team was bad and so he just started taking every shot right and he would go seven for 30 from the field and he would he was averaging like 23 points and then because he's jordan they put him in the all-star game and that only like feeds his mentality that right. he's great and it's just it's such it's such a fascinating I mean, that guy, he's the ultimate example, right? There's no one who was more like that than he was. Yeah. But it is, it's a great book. I recommend it to anyone who hasn't read well, it. Well, there there's like a um, – he, he goes to dark places, I think, or did, to, to take his game. You know, he always fed off of people, uh, you know, who, who said anything that might be perceived. You know, he, he, was, he loved that stuff. But I – Think about when he did his Hall of Fame speech, oh. which was the whole thing was a fiat. Like he brought his his high school, you know, play, the high school coach to yell at him. I mean, all that. The whole thing was kind of a disaster. But 
but there was that one part where he said, "Oh, you know, and you'll see me again when I come back at 50. And everybody laughed, and he's like, "I'm not joking." He was he was totally not joking. First of all, there's many wonderful things about what's happening right now. Number one. We get very nicely invited to Chicago to do this, and we're sitting here slandering the greatest Chicago sports legend of all time. (laughs) Well, let me start talking about Ditka. All right, let me tell you about that guy. Second of all, I've been researching this, and I can't find any evidence that Ryan Sandberg ever said anything controversial about his contract, so I may have just slandered Ryan Sandberg. Yeah, I think you have slandered Ryan Sandberg. Great. So this is going great. (laughs) (laughs) You're sitting in front of a wall of historic Ryan Sandberg photographs. Yeah, it's true. That is right behind us. There's nothing but Ryan There's Sandberg. There's a huge number 23 painted on the wall. <laughs> this couldn't be going better. He's just smiling, and Mike's putting like little thought bubbles of his head, like, I want to get paid. I mean, it's just Fortunately, this mean. mic is so crappy that it won't be picking any up any of this out anyway. <laughs> no, nobody's going to hear any of this, which is going to be great. All right, let's talk about the Cubs game today because uh, several wonderful and interesting things. So, first, I'm going to tell you, because I since I teased it already, talk about our new uh, potential. Uh, podcast player because we only have like 23 of them right now so I thought we need a a new a new uh, you know player and I'm going to nominate uh, and I think we would all have to agree on this uh, Nick Castellanos as our a new podcast player we did not realize this until yesterday uh, but coming into today's game Nicholas Castellanos had 50 doubles that's right 50 doubles. I, if you had asked me, they said, you know, you, you've been following him. He was, you know, remember he, he was pretty good with the Tigers and then he got really hot with the, with the, uh, with the Cubs. How many doubles do you think he had? What, what would have been your guess? 27, right? Like something like. I would have guessed he had 50 doubles. <laughs> That's just because of the way you follow the game. <laughs> how many, how many doubles would you have guessed? For Nicholas Castellanos. Well, I mean, I was I was on him right away when he came from Detroit, but uh, but before before I knew that he was a doubles monster. Yes, I, yes, I would have guessed in the twenties. Yeah, you know? right. I mean, just like a typical. So he had fifty doubles coming in today. So the only thing, well, one of the few, one of the things that we were rooting for today is for Nick uh, Castellanos to become the first player since the thirties to get to sixty doubles. Right, and you know, seventeen games is. Like, not that many games left to get 10 more doubles. However. 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 (laughs) Not only did he double twice today, but in both cases, one member of this uh, (laughs) podcasting trio called exactly where he was going to hit the double. That is correct. The first time he came up. Uh, Nick said out loud he pointed right in the corner and said that's it's going there yeah. I can't remember that it was like an ad there was, was an the ad. Jim Beam sign, the Jim Jim Beam Beam sign. sign. <laughs> he goes Jim Beam sign Cassianos rips a double right toward the Jim Beam sign second time up we're like alright where's he getting his double I predicted foolishly a bloop to right but Joe said no this one's going into the gap into like the gap, the gap of the, uh, the what to- was that Toyota the, the Toyota yeah, sign and out then, there and that is exactly where he hit it so now we have a psychic connection with Nick Castellanos. Yes. Jim Beam and Toyota, two great tastes that go great together. (laughs) (laughs) That Toyota is that famously called Doubles Alley here. Doubles Alley here. Now it is. Now Now it is. is. But here's the thing. Castellanos had 46 doubles last year. This guy's a great hitter. He's a terrific hitter. We should have seen this coming, maybe. But he's got 50. He's got got 52 doubles. 52 doubles with whatever. How many games left? He's got 12 games left. Like 16 games they're thinking maybe 
Oh, maybe that's how many he's played. Yeah, there's yeah, probably yeah. 16, right? Like yeah, something 15, in that 16. range. Yeah, there, we're, we're uh, a couple of members. He needs of our, a couple more. He needs to get him in bunches. Yeah. In order he needs to, a couple yeah. more two homer, couple, two, two more or, double games. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, he definitely needs to. But as we saw today, more than capable of putting two doubles up any time. I mean, this guy famously <laughs> can hit two doubles uh, anytime he wants. He, all he hits is doubles and home runs. He's That's, hit 15 home runs. And he led the league in triples a couple years ago. So he hits all, all he hits is doubles, triples, and home runs what and a, singles. You know what? He really should be. <laughs> he only hits That's singles, he hits. doubles, triples, homers, and outs. That's what they say about Nick Castellanos. <laughs> all he hits is singles, doubles, triples, home runs, outs. fly balls, ground balls, one hoppers, foul outs. and foul outs, and uh, foul tips. And foul yeah. tips. That's it. He does not bunt. If that, <laughs> if, if that doesn't say Nick Castellanos, I don't know what does. And you know, in a lot of ways, that is the perfect, he is the perfect podcast player because we like those players like Tommy Pham that are underappreciated, underappreciated. So what are we calling? Is it 60 doubles will, would be a Castellanos if he gets there? Oh, sure. But what is it now? A sizzler? No, who it's, hit, who it's, a, it's a scooter did not get a scooter, you might remember. So well, we called it this. Oh, I guess you're right. We called it the scooter before. <laughs> before. He did so that. I said we call it the Castellanos right. now. Why don't we call it the Paz Castellanos? <laughs> 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 All right, the Paz Castellanos. Uh, well, well, we'll have an update tomorrow because obviously we'll be at the game tomorrow. And for the record, the Red Sox have two guys who are theoretically capable of Castellanosing. Paz Castellanos. Paz Castellanosing. <laughs> uh, Devers and Bogers both have 50. Now, they're both. Uh, Devers has been slipping recently, but as long as we're on Paz Castellanos' watch, we yeah. should keep be on that watch for any player True. who has the ability. So there's three guys who technically have the ability to pause Castellanos this year. <laughs> and we'll give you updates as we uh, go forward. As we go forward. I, I got to believe that uh, I think Nick Castellanos has the best chance at the pause Castellanos. <laughs> because he has the most doubles? <laughs> no, because, well, yes, and because we just saw him. We just we do have a psychic connection. I see, with, okay. When we saw him out there, what did we see? A guy that hits doubles. We saw a guy who hits nothing but doubles. Nothing but doubles. That's, That's what they famously <laughs> say about him. <laughs> I'll be paying attention as, a, as an avid. Cubs fan, so I'll try to continue calling out the location of his doubles. The location of his doubles. So what did we see today? We saw the Cubs annihilate the Pirates. For the right? second night in a row. Second night in a row. 15 to 1, right? We saw literally, we saw five hit by pitches. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The Pirates pitchers hit three Cubs. Uh, the third one was David Bodie, and he was not happy. He was not happy. And what happened in the uh, outfield? That's my favorite part oh, of the whole thing. So this is a, this is a favorite uh, <laughs> a baseball vicissitude of mine. When there is trouble on the mound, and the crowd is starting to roar, right. and the dugout's empty, the bullpen's also empty. And traditionally speaking, one bullpen is going to be roughly in left field somewhere, and one is going to be in right field. So the bullpen's empty. Now, they didn't rush all the way out to the mound. They kind of hung out. They walked through the door and hung out on the warning track. Right. But it is very funny when a, <laughs> when a fight does break out, they run in, one bullpen runs in from left field and one runs in from right field. And they're like running almost in a, like a long isosceles triangle, <laughs> the vertex of which is the pitching mound. And if they really wanted to fight, why don't they just run right at each, right other, at each other and start fighting? It yeah. doesn't make any sense. They run alongside each other, essentially. <laughs> for What is that? That's got to be... When we get up ahead, I'm going to beat the crap out of you. <laughs> yeah, they're like jawing at the other guys as they're running toward the same spot. You better not get to the mound. <laughs> 
and, and then it's like, are you trying to get there first in order to get ready for the other guys? They like, run hard. They run really they hard. They run hard to get there. But I don't understand why there can't be two fronts yeah. for that battle, right? There could be the pitching mound front and sure. then there could be the outfield front. Sure. But yeah. like somehow that's one of those rules that baseball well, but obeys. I mean, you don't fight in the outfield, you only fight but there's on also, the pitcher's mound. But there's also like this weird thing. So like what's happening on the mound involves people that sparked the actual event, right? right? You got the pitcher, you got the guy who got hit, you got the catcher, you got people who were jawing at each other. These two guys have nothing. Like, why would you run right. at each other? Like, oh, I'm fighting you because you. You have to get to the epicenter. You have, you have to. <laughs> you have to get to the epicenter. So uh, maybe it's like so. Uh, the two members of our live studio audience, um, Bob Vorwald, was sitting with us and told us that there is history, which I did not know. There's some recent history with these we, two teams. Yes. So maybe what's happening is. They've been out in the bullpen stewing over the recent history. <laughs> sure. And then they're like, I hope this happens because if it happens, I'm oh, going out. I'm getting. I'm getting. And who's your guy? I'm getting this guy or whatever. <laughs> right. But then again, why don't they just make a beeline for that guy? Yeah. Because that guy is not there. They they want a piece of the guy who who is involved directly in the, in the event. But the second, the second of the two pitchers on the Pirates who hit – a Cubs batter was a reliever. Yeah, but he wasn't in the in the bullpen. But right, but like tomorrow, let's, hit okay, some other so, let's guy say tomorrow. Let's say this that? happens again tomorrow. Okay, right. So tomorrow, I can't remember that guy's name. The Pirates pitcher now began with an Holmes. M. Holmes. That's right. Yeah. Not begin with an M. That's incorrect. <laughs> Instant fact checking. Uh, Holmes. So Holmes is a reliever. Right. Holmes will be in the bullpen tomorrow. Let's say a Pirates pitcher from the mound plunks a Cub tomorrow. And, and Holmes comes running out of the Pirates' bullpen, mm. and the Cubs' pitchers come out of their bullpen. Why doesn't one of them just run over and, and, and scrap with Holmes? Yeah. Well, that could happen. Now that, but it now won't. That. It, that's what I'm saying. It never does. <laughs> once, this, once this episode of the podcast airs, however... That we, could change we, things. We will, we're shaming the bullpens <laughs> of the Major League into scrapping on the warning track. All right. Okay, here's my here's here's my question about the wild about the hit by pitches. In your honest estimation, we saw the pitches. How many of the 5 were on purpose? Uh at least 3 of them were on breaking balls, right? Yeah. 3 of them were like sliders or or change at least 2 of them I like I said that I can think of are, including were the Bodie one. The Bodie one was a breaking ball. Yeah. Then uh the Cubs retali the two retaliatory Hits were both. I think the second one was a breaking ball because yeah. because the, yeah. the pitcher was looking at the ump like I you know I didn't do that and it's the ninth inning and it's fourteen to one and yes. everyone wants to go home and this was some pinch hitter that they was some yeah. the guy that nobody even cared about the one that to Bryant was not a breaking ball that was a and that was the worst one that was the worst one that got was him square one. in the back that was rough yeah. The Castellanos was first to hit his elbow pad. It grazed him. That yeah, was a, that, that was, was ninety eight. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Bryant's was like a ninety two ninety two slider. Yeah, and that caught him in like the left shoulder. No, that was the worst one. Yeah. Now, do you think any of them, Nick, were on purpose? Mm, not really. I mean, Bodie, as you pointed out, uh, Bodie's not the guy that you're gonna that you're gonna nail, and and also the pitcher was not very good. <laughs> <laughs> That's, yeah, that it, seemed to me. It seemed to me like all five of them were. I'm. I do not have any control of my pitches. Possibly the that the Holmes warming up couldn't throw a strike. Like notably right. was not uh, close to the zone when he was warming up. So, but Maples hit the last two guys. 
and got tossed. Yeah. Actually got tossed. But it was like a lazy tossing. It was like the, the ump's hand motion when he tossed him was the was like, motion that you make when you're like in traffic and someone does something mildly <laughs> annoying in front of you and you just kind of go, oh, God, man. Yeah, oh, just, go. You know, just, just, just go. Just go. Just go. <laughs> just go in front of me. Yeah, please take my space. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, that, and that also didn't – none of the Cubs really protested that hard. Madden came out, but no one cared. Yeah. Maybe we just kind of like limped home. Yeah, it was it – was, It could have been way more uh, intense and dramatic. Yeah, I think yeah. that's probably true. So what do we feel – uh oh! Rizzo got hit in the foot. There was oh, that's right. Instant fact checking from Bob Vorwald. That's <laughs> right. Bob, we should mention, does that for a living, that's like right. he, for actual professionals. Like he <laughs> and he just gave us like a note. Uh, that's right. Early in the game, Rizzo yeah, got hit. That's that right. Is, that's right. And Rizzo actually was not happy. Yeah, when that's he got true. hit, and that might be the, what we now know as the history, the recent history <laughs> between these two teams. No, I mean they're uh, the especially when the Cubs have been playing in Pittsburgh, they are prone to hit our batters in in a bullying way, and that has all. How did you describe the Pirates again? Describe you were you have no love for the Pittsburgh Pirates. Well, I wouldn't I wouldn't go that far. I, I think all the teams in our division I find charismatic, but but the Pirates. Uh, the deck is stacked against them because they're they're a villainous character to begin with. Sure, they're a skull and bones baseball team. They they rape and pillage. Uh, you know, actual pirates. You're not saying these pirates. Well, I don't. I mean, they hit four of our batters. Is all I'm saying. Right, but that's not pillaging or raping. It's not yeah, either the rape not, or the pillage. You know, if it's a superhero movie, they're black and gold. You know, they're black and yellow col- color scheme. That, yeah. That's a villain's they're color villains. scheme. However, well, their starting pitcher was named James Marvel. That's true. So, yeah. there's your superhero right I, there. I have always found the pirate on the pirate's uniforms to be a sort of lovable pirate, though. <laughs> sort of like seafaring adventurer more than a violent sort. <laughs> so, he, doesn't look, he doesn't look mean to me. No, but he, but he reminds me of Captain Morgan, and I've had some bad experiences <laughs> with that. Well, that's pirate. not their fault. Uh, I guess you know. I'm looking at it now. He is. He's pretty rough looking. Oh yeah, uh, he's got a. No, he's got a scowl on yeah, him. Yeah, you cannot look at that guy and say he's he's seafood. He's not one of those that's like. Uh, I've got to go back and do some reading. I mean, that's not that he's the look on his face says, "I'll hit, I'll hit you with a baseball <laughs> anytime." I'm going to hit four of your guys today. He seems to be saying, "I'm not above beating <laughs> your uh, your seventh hitter." <laughs> what about the cross? The uh, baseball bats cross behind him. Love it. That is great. That's great. That is great stuff. I like the Pirates. I wish the Pirates were better uh, than they are. I agree. I think that baseball is fun when the Pirates are good. I agree. Yeah. But that doesn't happen that often. And we then, then we had the next discussion was, who's your favorite Pirate of all time? Yes. Well, we actually thought all of us probably have a favorite player on every team. On every team, team right. right. So who your favorite was? Ultimately, Kent Tukulfe. Sure. Excellent. It's a, such a good choice. I love Kent Tukulfe. That might be the right choice. In well, a but, way. but but an early Nick choice is also a potentially right choice, Bill Madlock. Bill Madlock is Bill a, great a great Dave choice. Dave Parker was also mentioned. Yes. Yeah. Mine is McCutcheon, who I know that's recency bias. That's still but still great. I love McCutcheon. Still great. What was yours? What did you say? I, I kind of like Dave Parker, too, okay. but, I, but it, it feels too famous 
Like he's too, like right. you know. He I mean he was he was a big 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 star and MVP. Too so obvious I, I, choice. I really like the Bill Madlock. When you mentioned Bill Madlock, because there is a guy who, by the way, nobody ever wanted to win batting titles more than Bill Madlock did. Really? Like, everything about Bill Madlock was like, it's like the opposite of Ted Williams. Like, he would sit <laughs> out the last three weeks of the year if he needed to, to get, to get the, and he bunt like 60, but he won like, how many batting titles did Bill Madlock win? Bill Madlock won, won four? Four batting titles. Four batting titles. Wow. Back when that really mattered. When that that was like you were the best hitter when, when you won the batting, at least in, in people's minds. Um, guess the highest number of home runs Bill Madlock ever hit in a season. 17. <laughs> <laughs> guess it without looking at my computer screen, you jerk. I didn't look. <laughs> Bill Madlock what, was, he was good. What's, what's the number? 17. That 17. Was totally Is that true? Guess. Oh, yeah. We can't see oh, it from here. We that was a guess that. based on your setup. Okay. Oh, yes. 17. How, did 17, how did you work 17 out of his setup? Because it was going to be humorously low. <laughs> 17 in his final full season. Wow. He didn't win the batting title that well, year. And it was 87. Oh, so it was the like crazy was And he didn't, he didn't win the batting title that year. No, he did not. Yeah. If memory serves, was Bill Buckner not a pirate? Bill Buckner was everything, but I don't believe he was a pirate. I don't think he was. He was a Cub, largely, and a Red Sox. And a Red Sox, Sox yeah. And, and Giants, hold, Ryan. Hold, please. <laughs> hold while we find that out. So, yeah. So, we were, we went through all. In fact, at some point, we should go through. We're not going to do that today. But we should go through all, every team and pick our favorite player from each team. I That's think it's a fun. Buckner, a Dodger, a Cub. A Red Sox, an Angel, and a Royal. Yeah, it was Royal at the end, right? Wow, I did not remember that. Yeah, nobody does. Bill Buckner didn't remember <laughs> that he was a Royal. Yeah. You know who else ended up as a Royal? We, we were talking earlier today. This is a fun fact that uh, people do not know now about you, Mike. You used to know the home run leader of oh. every letter of the alphabet. When I was a kid, um, there was a trivia question in a book of baseball trivia, which was – who has who is the all-time home run leader for every letter of the alphabet? When I was a kid, I had it completely memorized. I was chagrined to realize that not only do I not even have anything close to that memorized now, and granted, half of those are from, from 1985 or whatever, most of them are different, but I couldn't even remember the ones that they used to be very well at all. And some of them are obvious, Aaron, Bonds, Yastrzemski, Whatever, you know, Sosa, Maze. Ortiz. Um, Ortiz. We saw that now. one. Yeah, that's a new that's right. one. That's a new one. Killebrew. Killebrew. The reason I was brought that up is because Killebrew was a royal at the end. Really? Yeah, nobody remembers that either. That's, uh, But there's a whole thing about the answer. All right. So when we see the Cubs today, because the Cubs have been really slumping and really looking bad, and now they're playing, you know, a, a dreadful Pirates team, but they have now destroyed the Pirates two days in a row. As a Cubs fan, how does that make you feel? Are you feeling a little more confident? How do you feel? Well, sure. I mean, they, uh, they, they've they gone through a bit of a rough patch, but the, the season has been very up and down. Like, there have been continued stretches uh, where everything is hitting. The, the starting rotation has been brilliant, uh, but quite often the pitchers are great, but we can't score more than a run, and so... You know, I uh, saw John Lester earlier and, and said it's hilarious. Like I've seen you pitch jewels of a of a game, and you lose two to one. And then yesterday you gave up seven runs <laughs> and you got the win because we scored eighteen. And so it's to me that's the most exciting kind of season. The Cardinals, the Cubs, and the Brewers uh, 
none of them deserve to be anywhere near first place in a division. <laughs> right. They've all had very mixed seasons. But to me, that's a lot more fun. It's going to make it a really exciting fall. Uh, nothing to me seems more boring than being a fan of the Yankees or the Dodgers or the Astros. Oh, guess what? Our team destroyed another uh, another weaker team. You know, to me, that's a big yawn. It's a lot more fun when your team might hurt people's feelings, but might not. <laughs> Where do you think the Cubs, Michael? You, I mean, as you look at this team. That division, it's the only division that's that's really I mean the, the Cleveland and Minnesota are kind of going, especially this weekend they're going at it. So that division is a little bit up in the air. Um but this division potentially could be very much if the if the Brewers would happen to beat the Cardinals today, this is before that game, then the Cubs would be three back and one ahead of the uh, Brewers. I mean, we could have like a, an old fashioned, uh, old fashioned horse race. Down well, that, this, so this is the question we've been asking of all Cubs fans today, which is the Brewers are playing the Cardinals. Who do you want to win? It's an interesting issue because the Cubs right now, as we speak, are one and a half up on the Brewers for the wild card. Right. And are, but are only three and a half, three back and a half the Cardinals who play Milwaukee tonight. What are you rooting for? The answer has come in two forms. One is you root for the Cardinals. You hate to do it, but you got to get in. You can't win if you don't play, right? You got to get into the playoffs. But the winner of a one game, a risky one game playoff then goes to probably L.A. to play the Dodgers. That doesn't sound that fun. No. And as you pointed out, not only that, but that one game playoff is going to be against Washington. Right, so which you're going to have Max Scherzer, Scherzer is pitching, right. which is a terrible idea. Yes. <laughs> in general, if you can avoid facing Max Scherzer, you want to do that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But on the other hand, going the other way is you're trying to shoot the moon. You're saying like, let's root for Milwaukee to win, and now uh, in in order for you to potentially win the division, the wrinkle here is that they play the Cardinals seven more times before the end of the year. Yeah, right. Four at home and three on the road. So if you can get within two games. Let's say uh, if Milwaukee, if they, if the uh, Cubs beat the Pirates tomorrow and Milwaukee takes the next two, including today from St. Louis, and you go into that four game series at home up or only down two and you win three out of four, suddenly you're tied going into the last 10 games. That's a pretty tempting situation. So I, I feel like if I were in their position, I would be rooting for Milwaukee. And? Who would you be rooting for? I'm rooting You're for, rooting for Milwaukee. Absolutely, because I we need to knock the Cardinals down, and I think ultimately Milwaukee is more questionable. Yeah. So even if Milwaukee get, bumps up in the in the standings, we have a better chance of uh, ending up on top of them. We all have to pile up together on the Cardinals. Well, and there's another thing that I just thought of, and this sort of speaks to a little bit about what both of you have been through in your baseball lives, because you both – have rooted for uh, long-time heartbreaking uh, teams that eventually won. If this was the Cubs pre the World Series win, I think you have to root, hey, we just have to get in. Right. Right? It's like, okay, we'll take our chances there. But I think if you're there, if you're the Cubs now, having won a World Series, seeing the window closing a little bit on this team, I think your feeling has to be, look, we, it's World Series or bust. Like our that best, was the right? exact answer given by podcast live studio audience member Bob Borwald, <laughs> who said that exact thing. It's like when you win a World Series, when you've got the bird in the hand, it's like, come on, wild card. That's yeah. for the birds. It doesn't. Yeah, literally, it's for. Oh, the birds. I like this. Yeah. That's bird in the um, hand. Kent DeColvey, 
Real quick. Yeah. 1,000. Don't look at my screen. 1,436 innings pitched in Kent Colby's career. How many home runs did he give up? Oh. 1,436. Uh, 17. <laughs> <laughs> he did have 17 hit by pitches for the record. No, he gave up 63 homers. You could not hit a home run off that guy. No. no. Well, look up Dan Quisenberry. Because there are two, two Dan Quisenberry. The major league leader in home runs given up this year has given up 38 home runs. Oh, yeah. DeColvey yeah. gave up 63 home runs in 1,400 innings. 1,400. Look up Dan Quisenberry. Right. Dan Quisenberry uh, was a, a dear friend of mine, and uh, he learned the the motion from Kent DeColvey. Kent DeColvey taught it to him. Look up his home runs and look up his career wild pitches. So he gave up 59 homers. 59 homers. In 1,043 innings. Yes. DeColvey, better home run. Better home run thing, but still. Only 59 homers. And then what am I looking at? Wild pitches? Wild pitches and walks. <laughs> Four wild pitches. Four wild pitches in <laughs> wow. his career. Four. And uh, 162 and, walks in right. those thousand plus. Yeah, innings. but how many of those were intentional? Ooh, uh, 70. Yeah. So 92 unintentional walks <laughs> 92 in a thousand innings. In wow. a thousand wow. innings. And four wild pitches. And four. He was. The thing about, about Quiz. Uh, in addition to being the sweetheart of a guy, a poet, and all these other things, nobody got more out of what they had than him. Like he, he just didn't do anything wrong. Like he was, there was only so much you could do with an eighty-three mile an hour fastball or whatever it was. But he didn't walk you. He didn't. Uh, he, he didn't give up home runs, and he never threw wild pitches. You, you couldn't. Uh, you know, he didn't. He just did everything right. And that's as good, you know, and then he got also gave him a bunch of hits because he was, he, you know, he didn't strike anybody out either. So he had five top five Cy Young awards. Oh yeah. Which, yeah. A couple of close yeah. MVPs actually. Yeah. He's third in the MVP voting. <laughs> that shows you how far baseball has come. He was third in the MVP voting in 1984. Now, granted he threw 129 innings, yeah. but also he threw 129 innings. Right. You don't get well, to be in the MVP well, oh. the, the great thing about that is he finished third in the MVP voting. That was your Willie Hernandez won it. <laughs> <laughs> so, so the top two of the top three MVP uh, votes that year were relievers. Man. Wow. Yeah. He had a 3.3 war and Eddie Murray had a 7.1. <laughs> oh, Matty, he beat Mattingly too. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Was that, is that right? Well, Trammell had 6.7 war. Alvin Davids had 6. Buddy Bell had 6.1. Yeah. Buddy Bell. Buddy Bell's a good player. Good player. Yeah, uh, Alan Trammell, that poor guy. That poor guy l- loses this MVP to his, like, reliever teammate. Yeah. And then loses the 87 a- MVP to George Bell for no apparent reason. Very, He would have been in the Hall of Fame a long time ago had he won one or both of those MVPs. Yeah. I don't know how this went off the it's rails. It's a tough business. It is a tough business. <laughs> Major League Baseball. Nick, weigh in on baseball. Do you think it's an easy business? It's a tough business, oh. Mike. All right, I think we that should we... talk about our your your the the current obsession of the podcast. Your Homer list. Your yes, Homer we have to go to the Homer list. All right, so this is the current uh, obsession. So during this stretch of time, Mike, do you remember when I was writing every single day? Uh, about uh, how somebody in baseball hit two home runs. Oh, I do, yeah. You remember that? I do, yeah. Uh, by the way, somebody has already hit two home runs today. That's right, Brett Gardner. Brett Gardner. Two, two home runs. So I believe it's we're up 19 to in a 19 row. in a row. So we're halfway there. We're halfway there, but there's not enough time the rest of the year. Oh, we would stretch out. It would stretch out, and, and I'm not writing, and I'm not doing it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not doing it. So uh, during that time, I thought, you know what would be fun for me to do is – 
for me to do a list because there's so many home runs going out this year to do a list where I would list off the the number of players who have hit each number of home runs. So, for at, instance, at least that at many. least Not that many exactly. But at no, least, no, at yeah. least that many. So, for instance, there are 523 players uh, who have hit a home run this year coming into today. I haven't updated it today. 523 people who have hit one home run, 257 players who have hit uh, 10 home runs, and 112 players who have hit uh, 20 home runs. And so I, I did this one to 50 all the way all the way down. And then found what the record is for each of those years and put this in a record and created a spreadsheet to see uh, each day, like how this stood against history and, you know, when when somebody would pass, like I believe the first one that got passed was, I think, six, if I could be wrong. I think it was six. So the old record was 316. So when uh, the 316th player hit... Uh, his uh, sixth home run, I created like a little, I just highlighted it. So it, that that column went yellow. And I did this for myself, thinking this was just a stupid little thing to do. And when the two home run thing ended, I was like, okay, I'm not doing this anymore. However, before I finished doing it, I decided to share it with a friend of mine um, <laughs> named Mike Shore. And uh as I left it uh, go for about two or three days. It was two days. You left it dormant for two days and weren't updating it. And I opened it up. It's a Google Doc. And I angrily, I yelled at you. Yeah, you yelled at me. And I said, you can't do this to me. I'm now, I'm in on this. I'm addicted to this. You have to update this every morning. I need to see these columns turn yellow. Snap to it. Data boy. Data boy. Move it, data boy. So, so now, here's so here's where we stand. Yeah, so now I have been updating it every day, and we've been talking about it every day. So, every, so th- this season has seen an all-time record set in terms of number, number of, of people, number of people who have hit a certain number of home runs for every total from 3 to 16. That's correct. Every one of those previous records, by the way, was was set in either 2017 or 2018. <laughs> right. So it's not like these are old records that are falling, but it does give you some idea of what has happened to baseball. Yeah. Also, uh, every total from 26 to 29 has also fallen. Correct. All of those records, or two of those records are set in 2017, but 20 and 29 were set in the year 2000. Yes. So two... 19-year-old records have already fallen, and we're at between 87, 86, and 90-something percent for every other total between 17 and 32. So there's a very good chance that that the all-time record for number of guys who have hit at least X number of home runs will fall this year for every total between 1 and 32. It's insane. That's so crazy. It's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. By the way, today, Ben Zobris, number one. Thank you, Ben Zobris. (laughs) Yes. Because number one is still not yellow. It's not yellow. And number two is not yellow. Although number two is going to go yellow any day now, any minute now, actually. Uh, It's just too short. I think... The thing there's there are a couple of, of things that that I, I picked up from this uh, that are interesting. One is that we are now literally rooting for specific numbers. That's that's, right. that's incredibly. I get funny. really excited when I see like ooh a twenty five. That's good. <laughs> I, I will get a text like oh yeah twenty eight. We got a twenty eight. I think that puts us over. Um, so that's very funny. But but also in in all seriousness, and and this is a question I do have for both of you. And your answer doesn't matter because it's, I mean, it's just a theory. Because, and also because none of this matters. None of this matters. But also we don't know. The answer for this one, we don't know. 
why hasn't there been somebody? We all know the ball is clearly something. We all know that everybody's hitting home runs. Like it's a whole different, uh, a whole different mindset. We all know that pitchers throw the ball harder than ever, and that's part of what's going on. Um, why isn't somebody? like going to hit 60 home runs this year. Why is it like there's not some like semi outlier when the balls are so, I mean, you look, we now have six different players who have hit 44 home runs this year. Um, I think Jorge Soler was the last one. Although Eugenio Suarez, I believe, has 45 home runs already. So when you've got Eugenio Suarez hitting 45 and Jorge Soler hitting 44. And, and a rookie for the Mets hitting 47. 47, exactly. Pete Alonso hitting 47. When you have all of this, why is like they're not somebody who's going to like – like it's just a little bit ahead. The ball's flying out. Obviously, Mike Trout's the guy that comes to mind, but why doesn't somebody have like close to 60 home runs? Well, no, this is impossible to answer without a math degree. And you, so you asked Tom Tango yes. to weigh in on this. And I feel like we should just say who knows until he weighs in. He's the only one who has like a, a chance of giving us an informed answer. Yes. Right? But, but, but when have we worried, waited for informed answers on this podcast? Good point. So here's why it's <laughs> happening. Uh, <laughs> my theory was just that the the greater. Uh, the the ball, let's say it's all the ball, and we think it is the ball, right? Because Major League Baseball bought Rawlings and they forced AAA to use the Major League ball, and this year AAA teams are hitting home runs at such a ridiculous record pace. They're gonna they're gonna almost double their previous almost double, high, right? like seventy percent, seventy eighty percent higher right. than their previous high. So that would be a strong indication that it's that the ball the is ball a huge is definitely part different, of it, right? Yeah. Um, also, anecdotally, when we were in the Cubs clubhouse earlier, I picked up a ball and went, ooh, this is smooth. So that's something, <laughs> scientifically I speaking. thought that was very scientific. I thought, <laughs> so, you're like, ooh, you can barely feel the laces. They're so low. So my the, the guess, which is completely uh, based on literally nothing, is that what's happening is just that the, the ball, which is league-wide, is causing the sort of middle of the bell curve to expand, but it doesn't necessarily mean that the extreme end of the bell curve is uh, is out further. It just means that more guys are able to hit home runs and not necessarily that the guys who are already the extreme outliers who already hit everything out anyway, that they're like Mike Trout, for example, he also walks 125 or right. 135 times a year. So he's not changing his approach in order to hit more home runs because he just doesn't do it that way because guys are pitching him in a certain way and he'll take a walk. Mookie Betts walks 100 and whatever times a year. I mean, Alonzo, who knows? We don't have any information on that guy at all. But it, I mean, I, I don't know if there's any validity to this at all, but it just it seemed like there might be something to the idea that all that's happening is the average guy is now more able to hit home runs than the guys who could already do it easily. I don't know. Does Wait. that have any? Does that have any validity? <laughs> Nick, you're a professional mathematician. You got a PhD <laughs> in uh, in applied mathematics from Cambridge University. Right. Well, hear me out. Okay. <laughs> We're using. Less single-use plastic water bottles. Okay. We're using less plastic straws. Okay. Sure. That uh, has a purgative effect on the actual atmosphere. Mm -hmm. The air has become smoother. <laughs> <laughs> so, in other words, like, are planes flying to their destinations more quickly? They're getting better mileage. They're getting better mileage. <laughs> 
And birds are less tired when yeah. they land in There's trees. There's less particulate in the in the atmosphere. Yeah. The ball is just I've noticed, I will say like poop through a goose. <laughs> <laughs> I've noticed frisbees out of control. Yeah, they just fly forever. They just fly forever. <laughs> so there is there is that possibility. Why do you think nobody like there isn't one guy that's just like going crazy? I mean, is there an answer for this? I don't know. I mean, it's also interesting. Uh, Christian Christian Yelich springs to mind. There's there's also sort of a new breed of home run hitter that's sort of thin and lanky. Uh, that's you know not typically uh, a muscled uh, behemoth like an Aaron Judge. Um, Castellanos has hit all these home runs since he came to the Cubs, and these guys, you know, they look more like. Uh, pole vaulters. Yeah. Um, yeah. By the way, you bringing up Judge brings up the other possibility here, which is that the guys most likely to two hit sixty at two least on were both on that team have been yeah. injured all year. Yeah, mm-hmm. two of them. That so is it, a great point. It could just be bad luck because if Stanton had played all year, if Judge had played all year, they might be pushing seventy at this point. Well, that's a great yeah. point. No, yeah, that's that, true. that is a really good point. So you, you figure like how many like for for most good players in six hundred bats or five hundred bats, five fifty. How many of them hit warning track fly balls that are now going out but wouldn't have gone out like last year? You know right. what I mean? Like how many of those a year are there? They're probably maybe five a year that you feel like you hit like a like a warning track fly ball that like now would be going out but wouldn't have been going. So so maybe the number maybe that's what it is. Maybe that's really what explains it. But actually I think I really like the answer about the the so there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, of course, I love the smooth air answer. See, here's now, but this is what this is doing to me: is the Braves are up nine one okay. over the Nationals. Okay. The Braves don't have a single home run, and oh, I'm angry at the Braves. Come on, not one. In fact, there hasn't been a home run in this entire game. That is another. That is another uh, spreadsheet I shared with you. It's not as fun and interesting, but it's still pretty cool. Uh, by far, the highest percentage in baseball history of runs being scored by home run. Right, it's like forty five percent, more than forty five percent of all runs this year by home runs, and like in the in our day and when we were growing up and all that, it was like in the thirties, like thirty one percent or something. Um, Harold Castro for the Tigers hit his fifth a second ago. We don't need it's five. number five. We don't need a five. <laughs> You're wasting our time, Harold Castro. The the Braves Nationals game is in Washington D.C. Still a very polluted city. So, oh, I see. Air's, the air is all rough. Ex- excellent point. Here's, Clump, a, here's what we air. have today. So Gardner has two, and uh, that's twenty. Where was that game? Twenty five in Toronto. The game's in Toronto in a dome with, with a lot of air filters. Oh, yeah. oh. <laughs> well, Canada to begin with. Yeah, right. <laughs> Glyber Torres hits his thirty seventh. That's big because thirty seven hasn't gone yellow yet. 37 probably won't go yellow. Uh, Voight hit his 21st. That doesn't help us. Mike Ford hit his 11th. That doesn't help us. Uh, are we really doing this? Are we just going to go through every yeah. home run hit? Yes. Yeah. Well, that's that? all we have because most of the games are at night. Okay. All right. Well, we, it's time for our draft. I think we need to draft. Well, wait. We have to, we have some segments we have to do. Oh, that's true. We do have to do segments. Nick has to sing. So, okay. So uh, let's do our let's, let's start Cleveland Browns. Uh, oh, yeah. Okay. We should check in on the Cleveland let's Browns. Let's check in on the Cleveland Browns. Let's check in with the Cleveland Browns. How are they doing? <laughs> We don't know how they're doing. They're not even playing until Monday night. There's, there's, there's literally no Cleveland Browns update. There's well, nothing that to was say. the Cleveland Browns. That update. was beautiful. That right. was absolutely now, beautiful. And now let's do our Yankee minute. Now let's do our Yankee minute. Yankee minute. <laughs> 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 
Um, we do have a Yankee minute because I think we, we need to say this. Um, it doesn't even matter who gets hurt for them. No. It just doesn't even doesn't matter. matter. It doesn't just matter. it doesn't matter. They just it's they they, it's, they scored 13 runs today a day after losing Edwin Encarnacion again with a lat strain. He's right. out for the rest of the year probably or some amount of time. Yes. They lost Gary Sanchez again uh with the same groin strain that kept him out for like 2 or 3 weeks a while ago. It doesn't matter. They scored 13 runs and they hit five homers. Nothing matters. Mike Ford, who's a fire hydrant with a head, <laughs> hit a home run. He's got 11 home runs. They have, uh, like, Urshela hit one yesterday. Urshela's got 20. Uh, Void hit his 21st today. I mean, they, I hate them. I hate them so much. They have, let's see what they have now and for home runs. Uh, I'm going to read their home run totals in descending order. 37, <laughs> 34, 25, 24, 22, 21, 20, 16, 13, 13, 12, 11, 11. That's how many guys? That's a record. That's a record. That's right? a record. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. 13 guys yeah, that's right. in double digits and Mabin and Austin Romine. Now that Austin Romine's playing every day, <laughs> he'll get there in like two games. They're going to have 14 or 15 guys in double digits. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's not counting Stanton if he comes back for the last two weeks. Or one day. <laughs> uh, here's, a, here's a real quick in our Yankee Minute. Uh, is there anyone who can beat them besides the Dodgers and Astros in the playoffs? Is there anyone... Besides the Dodgers and Astros? Yeah. So basically you're only asking, can Cleveland beat them or Minnesota? Cle- or- well, yeah, Cleveland, Minnesota, Chicago, St. Louis, Milwaukee. Oh, oh you're any, saying Literally it, anyone, anybody. anywhere. Um, can the Yankees be stopped? I think, well, first of all, yes. I mean, let's look and let's take out, you know, take out the jinxing factor of saying that, that the Yankees can be beat because that's obvious. Um, let's say they can't be beat. Oh, and well, Jinx, reverse Jinx. The, the, we've tried the reverse it Jinx. Us. It worked last year, for the record, or two years ago, rather. Two years ago, I said no one's beating them. There's no way the Astros can beat them. I went on a crazy rant, yes. thinking the whole time in the back of my head, this is the only way to play this. you got to reverse Jinx them. Right. Yeah. And the Astros beat them in seven and won the World Series. It doesn't it, – it, you know what? It wouldn't play as well this year. Yeah, I, mean, I would still love for you to do it. You could still go on the rant, but a lot of people think the Astros are better than them. Like yeah. then, it really looked like, oh god, nobody's going to beat that team. Yeah. But yes, I think I think that the Braves are are interesting. I mean, the, you know, that team is is so young, and they kind of don't know yet what they don't know, and and you know that could be like a Marlins thing when the Marlins beat them. Yeah. You know, that's that's I think that's nobody else in the American League besides besides uh, Houston could beat them. Yeah. And. You know, the Dodgers are the best team, so I think the Dodgers – but here's – it's almost a better question to ask, which is can the Dodgers, like, shake this whatever thing they've got going on? That is a real – that's a real question. It's a real that's question, a, That's right? a real – because they're, they're so much better than everybody else in the National League – on paper, yes, they have their run differentials more than a hundred runs better than any other team. Yeah, it's they're, crazy. they're like plus two twenty five. I should look it up. There's something like plus two twenty five, and the Cubs, I think, after today, are going to be like plus one twelve or one thirteen or something. And so, uh, uh, there's just so much better. Their pitching is better, and their hitting is better. It's that rare thing where they're better than they're the best in both uh, in both divisions of baseball, but. They also then you get into like, well, let's look in a granular way at what a playoff series looks like. And it's like game one, you're starting Ryu, maybe. 
or you're starting Bueller. Right. You're not starting Kershaw. Probably not. And then if you, and then Kershaw, who's had a really good year and is reinventing himself as like a finesse guy, but recently he's been knocked around a little bit. And if there's one thing that you cannot count on, it's for Clayton Kershaw to have a huge (laughs) game in the postseason. And so you're suddenly like, well, they could just fall apart. Like this team, this they could be like that. Well, the like Rich that, Hill thing is bad. The Rich Hill thing for is them. really bad. bad like them. that guy's really, really good. And it looked like there was something seriously wrong with yeah. him the other night. He walked five guys in an inning and got pulled. Um, there we go. I just got handed this by Bob Warwald. LA, <laughs> the Dodgers plus two forty-two. I was close. What did I say? Yeah, it's, it's something like that. Atlanta plus one hundred four. Cubs plus one hundred two. But after today, one fifteen. Unless you were counting today, Bob Warwald. He was counting today. Were you counting today. Look really? at this guy is a professional. He really is. Why do we have? So basically, Houston and the Dodgers are the, exactly the same, okay. and then the Yankees are fifty runs behind. But. No one in the world thinks that. Uh, well, what is that Yankees team going to be? But, but I'm saying no one, no one in the world thinks that the Dodgers are as good a team all around as Houston, and that's crazy. But the reason, on paper, it's crazy. But the reason is because the Astros have Garrett Cole and Justin Verlander, yeah. and, and, and Zach Greinke, and Zach Greinke, and the Dodgers don't have one guy that you would feel totally confident. I mean, at this point, you're Dave Roberts. Who starts Game One? Of, if think, they're in the World Series, who starts? I game think one? I start Walker Bueller. I mean, I think right. he's. But I think he's pretty close to being that good. He's also like 23. Well, he is. He's young. He's young. But he pitched very well in the postseason last year, if I yeah. remember correctly. Well, right, didn't he? I, I think know. he's I think he's terrific. Look, you still have Clayton Kershaw. I know that he's not the, the old Clayton Kershaw, uh, but maybe that's going to be better come postseason. I mean, who knows? And, you know, he's still, he's still the best pitcher of his generation. And, and then Ryu is... You know, fantastic. So, I mean, I'd I'd be a little more worried about their bullpen, to be honest. That bullpen is uh, a little shaky. Um, Ryu's splits. Uh, Here are his ERAs by month. April, 338. Right. May, 059. Right. June, 270. July, 055. August seven forty eight. Yeah, he's been been rough lately. September, 623. Yeah, he's been rough lately. Mm. You're not starting Ryu. No. no way. In fact, you're not making him number game two starter either. Well, it depends on where you're playing. Right. <clears throat> right. You want him at Dodgers he's Stadium. He's so good at home. You want him at Dodgers I Stadium. I think you're starting him if game two is at home, which it will be. Will so be I think you are starting him. Oh, I guess that's true. I, guess I think you're true. holding Kershaw back, which might be good <clears throat> to start game three on the road. Yeah. I mean, Kershaw's Kershaw, so he'll – although Kershaw's always been better at home too. I mean, everybody has Dodger Stadium's a better yep. pitching mound, pitching thing. Do you know the uh, how many home runs will the Baltimore Orioles hit song? Um, do you have that in your? Do we? Do I you mean, have that I, in your repertoire. In your repertoire, I was trying to think of you like have, have it like. I've, uh, no, I've heard it only once. All right, well here here it is, just in case you want to hear it. How many home runs will the Baltimore Orioles give up this year? <laughs> <laughs> you want me to take a swing? If you would take a swing at it, yes. How many home runs will the Baltimore Orioles give up this year? A lot. <laughs> Pretty Excellent. good. Excellent. Excellent. Well done. Very, very well done. How many home runs will the Baltimore Orioles give up this year? Uh, 1,700. <laughs> 
Where are they right now? Let's take a look and see. Let's give you up to the minute numbers on the Baltimore Orioles, uh, who are um, yeah. They passed the record like a month ago. Bueller last year. While you're looking for this, Bueller last year in the postseason, four games, twenty three innings. He did give up ten runs, but he struck out twenty nine and walked four and had an 085 whip. Pretty solid. Pretty good. Pretty yeah. good. Look, he's terrific, I, and and he seems he seems like mentally like a rock. I mean, he's, he feels to me like that's the guy I'd start. I mean, that's the guy I feel good about. 280 home runs oh, allowed this year. Good uh, Yeah, wow. which is which is thir- which is like 32 more than the record. They're getting to 300, I believe. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah, right? I mean, you would think there are enough games left they're going to get to 300. That's yes. almost two a game. It's almost two a game. Uh, uh, here's a uh, – since we're doing this live – Here's an update. <laughs> uh, they they are playing the Tigers, so that earlier home run from Harold Castro makes oh, it 281. 281. Yeah. And that the Tigers are the team you want to play when you're trying not to give up home runs. Currently, okay, so the Tigers are playing the Orioles right now. The Orioles, as we speak, are 48 and 99, and the Tigers are 43 and 103. <laughs> that's got to be one of the worst all-time records in head-to-head competition. Oh, I think that's right. right. I think that you are, you're dealing with two of the worst teams in baseball history yeah. going against each other. All right, we have... Uh, are there any other segments that we Well, should... we, we got to do our Chris Davis uh, segment, right? I mean, that's... Uh, I don't know if we... Have you heard the Chris Davis song? I don't think so. Well, well let's, let's yeah, play it for you. Can Chris Davis hit 247? Five years in a row! Are you going to give it a shot? Here we go. Can Chris Davis hit 247? Five years in a row. Uh, no, he can't. He's, he's, he's hitting uh, 222 now. He actually got hot. He had a two-homer day the other day. Yeah, uh, so he, had, he was hot for one game. For one game. But as, as, as podcast listeners know, we are looking for a stand-in on the on the A's uh, to hit 247 for him, and it just so happens Robbie Grossman at this very moment Whoa. is hitting 247. Fantastic! So Robbie, we are with you. We're you rooting are the, for you. You are the Chris Davis of baseball. <laughs> <laughs> we desperately, desperately are rooting for you. Uh, Robbie Grossman. Also, uh, one second ago, Eddie Rosario hit his 29th, and now... We need 29. 29 was tied. It is now officially broken. Oh, tiny 90. It was tied at 40. The all-time record is 49 guys hitting 29 home runs. Now 50. He is the 50th guy to hit at least 29 home runs. If people doubted in any way that you were obsessed with this, they don't now. They I, do I like... I was on a plane yesterday and used the... Wi- flying here, and I used the Wi-Fi to just follow home runs and see... <laughs> and and text me yeah. which ones are... Uh, you know what's funny, too, is like, I can you shared this document with me so i could also update it you could do they turn yellow automatically or do you have to highlight them and turn yeah them yellow? it's not that hard to highlight and turn them yellow no but i wanted to like click on i would I love to... i would love to have the technical savvy to be able to do that but i i do not i do a, not a little ding sound oh man how satisfying <laughs> there it goes or like the big ben chime oh you know, like yeah. a real kind of like Bing. authoritative oh yeah Ding, 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 <laughs> ding, 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 and everyone. <laughs> By the way, there is there is one more song that we have not played uh, this year that that was uh, I don't believe it's been played on any of our podcasts. Really? But it is a celebration 
of the final season of The Good Place. Do you remember Get this? Out of here. Oh yeah, we have a little song. All right, I'm going to move the microphone. Here it is. Let's see if we can we can play it. Here it goes. The Good Place season four. It's almost over. <laughs> I love every one of these songs so much. <laughs> I do too. I mean, obviously they stick in my head. David yeah. Von Campen is our musical director here until today, and Nick took right. over. But they're so um, enjoyable that I I often go back and just play them over a few times. Yeah. <laughs> Well, they're, but they're enjoyable, and they're they're the musical equivalent of um, like Hershey's mini miniatures. Yes, you know yes. that's what's great about them is it's one bite of deliciousness. deliciousness. It's that's not right. a whole you don't overdose, <laughs> right? And then and you eat like a little mini Snickers bar or something. And then about 18 minutes later, you're like, I kind of want another one. And then another one shows up. Yeah. It's fantastic. David Van Camp, and you're a genius. You're a genius. That's all I'm going to say. All right. It is. We, we do need to get to our draft. All right. All right. So we how, are, long, how long have we been doing? Because usually we're timing this. We are still timing it. We are doing We are now at the one hour, 16 minute mark, in case you're wondering. <laughs> But don't forget about don't forget about ten of those were when we were Benettiing. We're, yeah, we're, that's true. The Benetti does. The Benetti extend, takes that. Uh, we, yeah. could, we wouldn't have done that otherwise. We had to legally. We had legally. We had to. We had to legally do it. All right, we're gonna do. Uh, let's tell them what we're drafting. We are drafting teams that suck. That's it. That's the only the only thing that we are drafting. And we are this year. Is, it's going to be a little special draft, right? Yeah. We have so, a special thing. So instead of giving someone the first pick of the draft. And then going, you know, obviously just to the next person and then to the person after that. And then going back to the first person for sure. the second round. You guys know how drafts work. <laughs> We're going to do this. We are declaring that the number one draft choice for everyone is the Yankees. Right. Because the Yankees suck the most of any team. And in fact, of any entity in any medium. Yes. Anywhere on earth. Or throughout history and until the eventual heat death of the universe, <laughs> the Yankees are the thing on Earth that sucks the most. So we are declaring them the number one for all choice us. in the draft for all of us. And and there is no second round. We are leaving the second <laughs> round blank in in order to properly honor how much more the Yankees suck than everyone than else. everyone else. So right. this will be a three round it's draft. It's a three round draft. Third, fourth, starting and fifth with round. our third round. The first pick for each of us is the Yankees. Yes. There are, the second picks are left blank. Well, I like to think of the second pick as sort of our moment of silence after picking the it's Yankees. It's a moment of silence after a tragedy. After a tragedy. <laughs> In this case, having to talk about the Yankees again. So the second so first pick for Nick Joe and me, all Yankees. Yankees. Second, Second pick, pick there is no, it's the null set. It's yes. in brackets <laughs> with a, just a slash or an N-A. And then now we start with our third pick, and Nick should have the Nick third, has the, the first pick, the of course. The first pick, which is to the say first, third, third The pick. third pick, yeah. exactly. All right. Uh, um, I'm, I'm happy with my first and second pick. <laughs> I feel confident about those. And with my uh, third pick, I'm going to go with the 2016-17 Trump transition team. (laughs) That team sucks. They were poorly constructed. We know that because all of them are gone now. Correct. So we know they they constructed it poorly. Um, very low performance. They didn't even they, fill the roster. They didn't even fill the roster. They left a lot of <laughs> a lot of slots blank. The full team. Yeah, um, that's a great choice. I hadn't thought of teams that liberally. Yes, but, but now uh, now you will. Now I now I'm broadening my horizons. 
Uh, all right, fair enough. I think that he won the draft. <laughs> the, the draft is the well, draft. He had the, already won the draft because he chose the Yankees. Right, first. we all get yeah. that. Yeah. We, all, we all won the draft. This, right. We're all winners. Yeah, by having to deal with the Yankees. All right, so I guess I get the Go ahead. second. I don't really. There's there are lots of teams uh, that suck. I I'm going to pick. Uh, among many possibilities, um, the Oakland Raiders mm. as my mm. uh, third round team that sucks. Uh, I have a personal uh, gripe with the Raiders, of course. Uh, being a Browns fan, the Raiders were the team that first, first, first broke my heart uh, by intercepting Brian Sype in the end zone, uh, keeping the Browns from going to the uh uh, AFC Championship game where they might have actually gone to the Super Bowl. The Browns. I don't know if you know this, Mike. The Browns have never been to a Super Bowl. Is that were true? You, were you aware of that? I in my head they've won three or four of them. <laughs> yeah, really yeah. No, actually, you're misremembering. Um, you're misremembering. They've never won. So I hate the Raiders for they that. They never won in the Brandon Whedon years. <laughs> it was. You're thinking about the the uh, the year that that. Uh, no, you're. There's <laughs> never. They've never won anything. Um, <laughs> So, so I hate them for that, and and so they they are a team that sucks. However, beyond that, like the whole Raiders act, like I I, I will be the first one to concede that the late seventies Raiders, while they sucked because they sucked in the way that you're like, I wish that my team because they were a bunch of vandals and and bullies. and bullies and and pirates and pillagers and all these things. And but they won. They threw the ball deep all the time. They had like like hilarious, uh, uh, you know, John Madden is their coach, and 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 then they win the Super Bowl with Tom Flores, who like won two Super Bowls, and nobody cares about him at all, and <laughs> and, uh, and all these rejects, and and they were. They were, and you know, and then that was that whole, you know, whatever commitment to excellence nonsense that you know, and the the quarterback's got to go down, he's got to go down hard, all those things, and then it was over, like like that ended. But the Raiders never let go of the fact that that was who they were. They still believed they were this, and they believed it for the last forty years that this is still who they are, and they're not, and they haven't been in a long time. And they've moved cities now; they're moving cities again. the The Al Davis thing got total. I mean, that was that was a sitcom that ran way too long, right? Like that was twenty years too long, and they're terrible. And now they're like beyond terrible right now they're they're really really bad but they're also really stupid and they they you know they brought back you know chucky from the grave to to come out there and 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 coach that team and they're they suck they just everything about that that organization and that team sucks so well for a long time they were owned by the crypt keeper (laughs) um and then the crypt keeper died and left the team to his son right who has this isn't an exaggeration who has the worst haircut in the world (laughs) He has the – look, just if you don't know what Mark Davis's haircut is, Google it and look at – gaze at the glory that is the worst haircut you can have. And then allow me to to tell you that he has a hairstylist on retainer that he – or that he like – I think he flies like every two weeks to see this guy and pays like $700 to for someone like to that. look – to make him look like that intentionally. He looks like an, a hilarious Martin Short character. Yes, that's exactly right. He looks like a, like a famous – 
early '80s Martin Short SNL character that came from SCTV. Uh, but he, but it, that's not what he is. In fact, he's a billionaire who owns a football team uh, and walks around with that haircut with impunity. Like yeah. he walks around going, "Like, yes, this is my haircut. Deal with it." And then it's like. Absolutely no problem moving yep. his team. Just moving yes, it up. Watch this. I mean, like f- Oakland Raiders fans don't suck. Like, like I mean, they, oh, and that's not true. Well, <laughs> they, they suck in that they're vicious and cruel. But they, and look, whatever. all all fandom, all sports fandom, and specifically all NFL fandom is is terrible. Well, of course, right? but that's but, a different thing. But the Raiders fans are so embarrassing. They are so <laughs> that whole black hole thing. First of all, the stadium they play in is the worst stadium in sports. Right. It is a it is a stadium that looks like a place where Kim Jong-un conducts military exercises in, in Pyongyang, except it's in slightly worse condition. Worse condition, he would never use it. He would it. never use it because it's not good enough condition. Um, but that whole thing of like, like, to Nick's point earlier about the Pittsburgh Pirates, they willingly dress up like oh, yeah. old-timey pirates and they growl at TV cameras. Oh, yeah. And they and they, they, they wake up in the morning and they say, this is, I think, what we, we should do today, guys. Uh, we should dress up like pirates and we should go to a football game and we should growl at the camera. And then they come home ostensibly. I'm, I'm sort of filling in the blanks here. I'm, I'm uh, uh, extrapolating. Yes. They come home and they think, good job. <laughs> well, good job. We did it. I, look, they, they suck in the sense of when I worked in Kansas City for years and years, our photographers would literally have to wear trash bags over their bodies because because they would have beer poured on them all yeah. game long. That's what they do. Now, so they do suck. And to but, be fair, that is most NFL. Well, that's the thing. Bases. But they do it more there. But I, but my point about them not sucking is they don't deserve to have their team taken away from them. Disagree. They do. That's how badly they suck. Uh, <laughs> to Vegas? All yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Yes. Okay. They, so that, so that stadium they play in is so no one should. The, oh, it's that's for their not, own good. They <laughs> don't. They they won't have to go to that stadium eight times a year and put silly face paint on their faces and growl at TV cameras. And the uh, the other thing is, to your point, this is where these two arguments dovetail. Their team stinks. They has stuck oh, for a long terrible. time. So they're doing that for a stinky team. That's even worse. Yeah, like that if, is true. if their team were winning every year, you could go like, all right, well, they're getting into the spirit of their winning franchise. Their team stinks. <laughs> I, they should have their team. They deserve to have their team taken away from them. They do. Okay, I'm good with that. To be fair, all NFL teams' fan bases deserve to have their teams <laughs> taken away from them. All right. I'm going to pick the Raiders with my third pick. Uh, I'm sorry, the Cowboys. I, I, the Cowboys are the only NFL franchise that suck more than the Raiders. I think. Wow, you yeah. think so? Yes. Uh, here's my argument. First of all, everything you said about the Raiders is true of the Cowboys. True. They were great a long time ago. Yes. And they have been terrible ever since. Right. And they still act like they're great. Like they're great. That's now, the worst. to be fair, this year they are better than yeah. they have been. They actually look really fun this year. But their owner is one of the only owners who's worse than Mark Davis in sport, in all of sports, and certainly in the NFL. He is a nightmare person who ha- who has to. If you think Jerry Jones is a good owner, please remind yourself that he had to be physically restrained by his own front office guys from drafting Johnny Manziel. Yeah. When Johnny Manziel uh, kept falling in that draft and became available for the Cowboys pick, Jerry Jones leapt up out of his seat with a brilliant idea, which was we're going to draft Johnny Manziel. He doesn't know anything about football. (laughs) It's a really bad trait for an NFL owner. He doesn't know anything about football. It's plainly and obviously clear. Hey, where did where did Johnny Manziel end up? I can't remember offhand, but I'm sure he went to a very smart franchise <laughs> that always makes good decisions. Uh, but the Cowboys have that. Ex- the Cowboys have the worst as- uh, tra- character trait of a franchise, which is. 
they have the thing that you talked about in to the greatest degree, which is past glory that has absolutely without any justification carried over to the present day. Yeah. And it drives me up the wall. And the America's team thing, that, sa- that ship sailed so long ago, but <laughs> everyone still somehow legally has to call them America's team. They're, it's it's awful. They play every Thanksgiving. I don't want to watch them on Thanksgiving. Yes. It's one of my main arguments for my side argument about why Thanksgiving stinks and is overrated <laughs> is because everyone's like, football. It's like, yeah, it's it's Cowboys-Lions. Why do we think this is a good idea? That that I hate the Cowboys. I don't even care about the NFL anymore. I still hate the Cowboys. And if I see that star, I have an irrational uh, desire to punch someone in the face. <laughs> How do you feel about the Cowboys there, uh, Nick? I, uh, I'm ambivalent. Ambivalent. <laughs> so that was not a convincing argument for you? No, I mean, I you always sway me. So on your behalf, I'm, I'm happy to, uh, to rush into the fray. I'm not going to stand on the warning track with the rest of the bullpen. <laughs> yeah, charge right at me, man. Yeah. All right, so your fourth pick now. My fourth pick. Uh, it, you know, a lot of has gone under the uh, under the bridge today, and and with all due respect to the charismatic city of Pittsburgh, uh, I'm yeah. going to pick the Pittsburgh. Wow! Pioneers. Wow! Wow! You know what? There's it's because of it's because there's a history, right? It's, it's because the, there's a history. <laughs> it's because they played dirty, and I I've I shot a movie in Pittsburgh, and I've toured there a few times. I really love Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh's waterfall. If you've never visited, go there and drive in from the north. You come through a tunnel, oh, the pit. and the city is revealed to you, and it's just gorgeous. The confluence of the three rivers, uh, Fort Pitt, is located right on the this really cool point, so you can read about George Washington went there, and it was a there's a lot of great history. The ballpark is right on gorgeous. on the confluence of the rivers. And you got these bullies uh, playing dirty baseball. <laughs> and the people, I, I love the people of Pittsburgh, and they deserve a more, a more charismatic team representative of their noble city. All right, shock pick. That is shock pick. I mean, I would say you're you're off to a weak draft because you left a lot of great teams on the table, but you did pick the Yankees number one, which was a great pick. For great you. pick. Didn't even bother picking and number two. And then you two. appropriately left the second <laughs> pick blank. So, so front. you're out in front. You got a huge uh, lead. Yeah. Yeah. So, all yeah. right. Excellent. Excellent. Uh, excellent choice. Uh, with my fourth pick, uh, I am going to pick, and this is it's a little bit personal, but I tend to believe a lot of people hate them. Anyway, uh, I'm picking the Baltimore Ravens with my uh, fourth pick. The Baltimore Ravens uh, were the team that the Cleveland Browns uh, used to be. Uh, The Browns uh, moved to Baltimore, uh, tearing uh, a city's heart uh, apart. Uh, And uh, and I don't think Baltimore, again, to to speak to the people of Baltimore, I don't think the people of Baltimore – uh, felt good about that because they had had the Colts taken from them uh, a few years earlier. However, they didn't decline the Browns. They didn't say like, no, well, that's fine. Just we we wouldn't do that to you. No, they they took the Browns and and then they became the Ravens and then they immediately were good, uh, like immediately, even though the Browns were never good. And then they went to a Super Bowl. Uh, and won it with Ray Lewis doing dances uh, after uh, a very shaky night in Atlanta, and then um, and then they went back to the Super Bowl and won it 
with a quarterback, both quarterbacks mm-hmm. that the Ravens have won Super Bowls with. Uh, yes, the two, the Trent, two, arguably <laughs> the two worst quarterbacks ever won Super Bowls. Well, right? yeah, other than Tampa Bay's quarterback, right, 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 right when they had right. that whole thing. But Trent Dilfer uh, was the quarterback for the first uh, Super Bowl, and I'm not even going to name the quarterback for the second. <laughs> um, and and it's it's wrong. It's it's they, there's there's just a there's a karma issue here that's wrong. But the other thing is purely. Uh, I mean, and that's a personal thing for me. But uh, beyond that, they're they're just a bunch of dirty hitting play. I mean, that's just it. I mean, look, that whole division is other than the Browns have always been very clean, <laughs> which is why they can't win anything. Uh, but that whole division is, it's like <laughs> the Browns are in the jail cell division of, of the NFL. And they're the ones that like, I, 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 do, I don't know how I got in here. I didn't do anything wrong. It really and is. All three of those other teams are like famously, famously vicious. Just, we'll take your head off. Oh, they'll take your head off. Just absolutely take your head off. And, and, uh, Growing up, the team that I I despised most of all was the Pittsburgh Steelers, and and I was going to take the Pittsburgh Steelers. You took the Pirates, so. Uh, but I kind of always believed, at least until recently, that what made me so sick of the Steelers was that they were the team I wish the Browns were. Right, like they were. Cleveland and Pittsburgh are similar cities and they're close together, and the Steelers were always good and like not just good, but utterly stable. They've had like three coaches for the last 50 years and and everything just seemed to be in, in place. Uh, of course, I hated them, but but I hated them with sort of this little brother, you know, sort of respect. The Ravens get none of that. They have no, I have no respect for the Ravens. So uh, I used to uh, do when I was in, in Kansas uh, City, I used to do picks that, you know, I was one, like our whole staff would pick NFL games and they would actually make us put a score Next to the, which was the stupidest thing ever. Like we were ever going to pick the score, right? So I always had the Browns. Uh, I mean, the Ravens losing ninety four to nothing. Like every single week, <laughs> I would put the Ravens losing ninety four nothing because ninety four was the last year uh, in my mind that the Browns uh, played in Cleveland. Uh, they moved the next year, but it was a disastrous year. So anyway, Ravens. The worst. It's a fine pick. Uh, I the Ravens do suck, and I hate them. But this is insane. I'm picking last in this draft. And I'm gonna get. Uh, you're getting. You're oh. getting. You're getting a moment. Number eight. Tommy Edmund. <laughs> Eights don't help us, guys. Oh. Somebody just hit their eighth home run, and so we we have to pause in the middle of. Okay, but now you can get back to. I'm picking last in this last in this draft, and I'm gonna get the Cowboys and the Los Angeles Lakers. <laughs> you guys are insane. The Lakers suck only very slightly less than the Yankees. I wow. mean, they suck more than the Cowboys. I think. Uh, the Lakers, I mean, what is what doesn't suck about the Lakers? This is a franchise that is most recently defined by Kobe Bryant. Yeah. The worst basketball playing goon in the world. The, the worst personality with the, the worst temperament, the worst attitude, the worst commercials, the worst everything. That The Lakers were like, yes, we're all in on this guy. And he is only the most recent symptom. I mean, the Lakers are... They're the Yankees of basketball, I would say. You could argue the Celtics are the Yankees of basketball, but I think the Lakers are worse. They are the kind of franchise – the way the Yankees, um, for some reason, 
at the, at, towards the end of his life, George Steinbrenner, a criminal who was kicked out of baseball uh, for years, during which time Gene Michael and a bunch of other smart people finally did what he couldn't do and like remade the team that led to the actual championships. Everyone still had to call him Mr. Steinbrenner. That was the only it was like it was it was unpleasant and untoward and unwarranted to refer to him as anything other than Mr. Steinbrenner, even when. He was the guy was literally kicked out of baseball for breaking baseball rules. And somehow at the end, it was like everyone forgot that you had to call the Lakers owner, Dr. Jerry Buss, <laughs> like he's a Ph.D. in psychology or something like that alone is so infuriating. But the entire history of that team, everything about it, it was just Showtime and Hollywood and Jack Nicholson. And we're supposed to care that Diane Cannon is at the games for some reason. <laughs> They're the worst franchise. They're terrible. They're so obnoxious about everything. And they have an attitude. That, no, I've said this before. I'll say it again. The best thing for a sports fan in to, in Los Angeles is when the Lakers are terrible to drive around and listen to sports talk radio. <laughs> it is the most delightful experience because even when they are terrible, they still believe that everything that they're doing is right and that every free agent is going to come there sure. and that every draft choice is going to be the next Hall of Fame. When they drafted Lonzo Ball, they were like, we got our point guards. Like, we got our point guard, guys. Here we go. And it's like, and then it's, and they'll, they'll have these, like any terrible fan base, they will have these discussions where they'll be like, so here's what I'm thinking. Donovan Mitchell gets a free agency. He comes over. Then Anthony Davis comes over, so we get him. Then, of course, you know, Chris Paul is going to want to play, come off the bench and back up Donovan Mitchell. And then, you know, LeBron's here now, so we'll get – and they just – they play it out like this is just what's going to happen just because they're the Lakers. And now – here's and here's the worst. The, the, the capper is sometimes it happens. And sometimes <laughs> Anthony Davis does come to the team and join Le- – and LeBron does come to the team. And it's infuriating. But, like, when LeBron was putting together his team last year, his crazy suicide squad right. of misfits – the Lake Lakers fans were like, so we're probably a, we're definitely a three seed. We might be a two seed. There's, a, we got a chance at the one seed. I think we can knock off Golden State. And when they fall apart and are terrible, no one, no one ever goes like, man, we really misjudge that. They just go, well, next year when Anthony Davis is here, and then Anthony Davis shows up. Yes, it's just, but like as a whole, there is no more entitled fan base. They are more entitled as a fan base than the Yankees, than the Cowboys, than I think any other fan base wow. in sports. Don't you think? Who is more entitled than Lakers fans? Well, Yankees fans. I don't think so. No? I really don't. The Yankees fans have have like higher, um, uh, maybe a higher level of like satisfaction when absurd things break their way. Like right. when Luke Voigt hits his 21st home run, Well, they all act like, yes, of course we knew Luke Voigt was going to be this. <laughs> But th- like what? But Lakers fan. What if Yankees fans or Lakers fans? What Yankee fans would be doing right now is going. So next year when Garrett Cole's here, and we'll probably uh, and I'll JD Martinez. But Yankees will fans we'll have. But Yankees fans have done some of that. They do do some of that, but they don't do it to the extent Lakers fans do. I think. I mean, it's impossible to measure this, but the point is they suck. I'm, I'm not going to argue with that, and I, I feel like you're having a very strong draft. <laughs> I've got the Yankees, Cowboys, and Lakers. Those are the three franchises that suck the most in sports. No. Yes. But they suck. I mean, I'm not disagreeing with that. All right, Nick, fifth pick. All right, final round. Uh, I was thinking of going with the Yankees. <laughs> you can take the Yankees. To bolster my, uh, my first pick. Then I was thinking of going with the New England Patriots. Great. Oh, Please. I love it. Which, I love which it. may fit into that category <laughs> that you're uh, putting together. 
But instead... Oh, you're not taking the Patriots. I'm, I'm going with the 1989 comedy film, The Dream Team, <laughs> starring Michael Keaton, Christopher Lloyd, and Peter Boyle. What's wrong with that movie? That's a great movie. Four mental patients on a field trip in New York City must save their caring chaperone, who ends up being taken to a hospital in a coma after accidentally witnessing a murder before the killers can find him and finish the job. Yeah, that movie's great. You don't like that movie? I've never seen it, (laughs) nor have I heard of it, which means it sucks. That movie's great. You should. That's an underrated movie. That's a very underrated movie. Michael Keaton's great in it. He's a pathological liar. It's four. It's four people in a in a mental institution who have four very different pathologies. And Michael Keaton's thing is he's a pathological liar, which is a perfect thing for Michael Keaton to play because he's so full of bravado and confidence. And sure, uh, it's great. That movie's great. And Chris Lloyd. And Chris Lloyd's in Boyle. it. Yeah. Why did you do this? Why did you say this movie sucked? Uh, because I haven't seen it <laughs> and I haven't heard of it, which means it must be no good. That's an incredibly solipsistic world view. I know. How, I know how movies work. He knows. He knows. All right, man. All right. So here was the thing. I was going to take with my fifth pick, uh, the Super Friends, right? Because the Super Friends, they suck. That's the stupidest idea ever. That they needed to get like, oh, well, you know, Superman. Hall of Justice. Hall of Justice. You have Superman. And then let's add Wonder Woman. Like they don't – there's no chemistry here. Batman is in the middle of this thing. (laughs) And an Aquaman offer – we know what Aquaman offers. Nothing. And so what – What? how are they supposed to – like what part of Superman like weakness – like, like, how do they fill in what Superman can't do? Like, what, what extra, what extra activities do they offer? So the Super Friends suck, and and that was going to be my pick. However, uh, because Nick did not take them, we our podcast listeners will not forgive us if we don't take the New England Patriots in this trap. <laughs> it's, it is we can't let just because Mike likes the Patriots. The Patriots are they suck. The yeah. Patriots are. They're an abomination. Name one thing <laughs> that that franchise has done to offend you. Name one. Name one. Name they, one mistake they've made. They don't make mistakes. That's <laughs> part of the reason they suck. Yeah, they're easily the Yankees of football. Yes, they're the Yankees of football. Well, they're the Yankees of of football 2000 to the present. Before that, they were the Browns. But of we football. don't care about that. I'm just saying. No, I'm you know, saying that's a long, long time. That is a long It's 20 years. And they also, by the way, went to two Super Bowls. They did not. They're not the Browns. They yes, still went. They to- went to two Super Bowls. The first one they <laughs> lost in the most humiliating way that any franchise has ever lost. Yes, Super Bowl, which was amazing, and which was incredible. And then the second time they they were the patsies that Brett Favre stormed over. Yes. In order to get his title. Like they weren't. It's not like no, they, no, they, they weren't competitive. in those. Uh, they, I were, they went to two Super Bowls away at the Chargers went yeah, but as a Browns fan, I would have taken one of those yeah, Super that's Bowls. That's, that's you know, that's one thing. Um, and and also, they're just you know, the, the thing about the Patriots is, and and this comes back to all fan bases. All fan bases are like this. Patriots fans, as a whole, cannot admit there's ever anything <laughs> wrong with that team. Ever, nothing. 
Nothing is ever wrong with the Patriots. And they're mostly right. That's, that's what's the, crazy. That's so, they're so. often right. Yes, that's true. <laughs> that, but but you but there's two different ways that they I'm sorry, this is your draft. I don't want to step on your <laughs> no, argument. No. But there are two there are two sets of things that Patriots fans do. One of them is they have an attitude like our team is the best, our team is perfect, Tom right. Brady's perfect. Right. That's the when that's the annoying way uh, argument that's actually usually right. Yes. Then there's the uh, there's the off the field stuff, yes. which is no, they didn't cheat. No, they didn't tape anybody. <laughs> right. No, they didn't. Which is like that's just the blind faith of fandom. Well, that, and there has now been so much of it that uh, that it is it, it's getting harder and harder to maintain that point of view and yet it doesn't seem to slow Patriots fans not, not even well but here's here this sort of speaks to something we have talked about many many times on the podcast uh, and it and it really infuriates me no uh, scandal quote unquote scandal in in NFL history has annoyed me more than uh, do you remember this thing I don't know if you remember this uh, Tom Brady was uh, they said that he deflated the football. Do you remember this? This doesn't ring a bell. Yeah, no. They said that they he called it Inflatagate. Inflatagate. Oh, <laughs> That's yeah. Right. Now I remember Inflatagate, <clears throat> um, and that right that that scandal drives me insane because it got all of these Patriots fans on this incredibly high horse about how the NFL was after them, and they were right. The NFL was after them for that stupid, stupid, stupid Deflategate that wasn't a thing. The thing is, is like. The the attitude of Patriots fans during that was um, was we're being persecuted, right? And the and uh, the response to it was like that could be true, right? And also the team has done a bad <laughs> a bunch of bad stuff. Yes. Like this, in yes. this one case, in this thing, this stupid thing that they were like. It was it, it, basically the entire world who, who looked at it objectively said the same thing. This is a makeup call. Right. The league went, went light on them for this earlier thing that they did do. Yes. And now here's a thing that either they didn't do or they did it, but who cares? Yeah. And what advantage does it give you anyway? Right. And now it's just a makeup call. Yeah. And so if you look at it as like a makeup call. Then it's fine. Then you're like, all right, that's stupid. Yeah. Makeup calls are stupid because – if you're looking at something ethically and objectively, you should say there should you shouldn't over punish anyone for right. any deed based on something else they did that's irrelevant. But it's also a stupid sports league that <laughs> has like a, a corrupt commissioner running the whole thing. So it's like, well, yeah, stuff like that's going to happen when you have like a when you have like an oligarchy and a corrupt leader. Yeah, that there's going to be rough justice like that. But right? I didn't I didn't like the Patriots fans because they were they could they could they were on. They were sort of on the, the side of the angels on that particular yes, one. That, which is infuriating. It's infuriating because <laughs> they're not on the side of the angels. Yeah. They're on the side of the other side. And 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 look, and, and part of sucking is the fact that they do always win. I mean, that's part of the Yankees thing too. And, right. and, and frankly, part of the Lakers thing until recently. If the Patriots – like will the Patriots be when, – when they start stinking, will the fans – Will will they like have sort of that Raiders, Lakers, Cowboys comb over where they're still talking about the old days, like that this still yeah, we're still smarter than anybody else? Or does that really go away when Belichick leaves? I it's a very good question. I have no idea. Yeah. I I don't like that fandom isn't very deep, I, I think. Right. Because right. their because their success 
is literally contained to the last 19 years. There's a chance it just gets frittered away. If they if they actually start sucking on the field, right. there's a chance it all gets frittered away. I because might. I think they have a, a very – it's very wide but not that deep, yeah. I think. And also NFL fandom in general is, I think, in trouble because I think a lot – like it, not immediately but over the next 20 years, yeah. I, you have to believe that fewer and fewer kids are going to grow up really being invested in the game, although maybe I'm wrong. But I, I, I don't know. I think – I mean, they own New England, um, which is saying something when the baseball team has won four championships right. in the last 15 years right. and the basketball team is competitive and good and the hockey team is competitive and good. They still – right now, they still own New England. It's like, amazing. It's, it's wild. Um, Beating the Red Sox is the thing that's amazing, yeah. right? That's always with such a baseball. I mean, Massachusetts is still – it's still a sort of a baseball town, but Brady's Brady's run. I mean, you can't beat six Super Bowls. No, you it's can't. Just like they can't. So That's I don't know. I don't know what happens to them. It's it'll be interesting. I but mean, they're horrifying. They they suck. I, they've never done any one thing wrong ever. They're perfect, and you guys are insane. Okay, <laughs> super friends too. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm. This is amazing, but I'm going to also get to draft Duke basketball. I mean. What happened, guys? You yeah. left Duke basketball. I, I, I know the Patriots I, I, suck, but you left Duke basketball on the table? I, I didn't know college was eligible. What do you mean? You, you almost chose the Super Friends. Well, you super didn't think fr- you could choose it. I said superheroes have never said weren't eligible. Duke basketball is the Yankees and Lakers of college basketball. And they're professional, actually. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, I'm not choosing an amateur team. Uh, I mean, what do you want? What do you want me to say? No, Christian, Christian Leitner. They suck. Uh, Mike Krzyzewski, a guy who spends every game frothing at the mouth and cursing up at Blue Streak and screaming at everybody and turning beat red and then everyone talks about what a great professional that's what it is. it is yeah. that's what it is yeah. it's not it's not the screaming look if you're a maniac you're a maniac it's the oh Professor Krzyzewski it's, yes it's uh, <laughs> what a, yeah he goes into the press after post game press conference and talks in very quiet tones and everyone's like he's really calm and that's what's great about him is how calm he is <laughs> His composure. Yeah, it's composure. It's his what, composure, yeah. yeah. Uh, but, I mean, Christian Leitner, Cherokee Parks. Cherokee uh, Parks. I mean, it's uh, it's the people who go to Duke are already annoying. Yeah. And then the basketball players, I mean, come on. you yeah. got to be kidding me. Trajan Langdon. <laughs> like, what I, about Grant Hill? <laughs> Grant Hill I liked. Yeah. I like Grant Hill. It's not that there's no guys that – I mean, there's obviously been great players who go there. But in general – their their dominance in the college game in the '90s and early 2000s was was super annoying. Do you remember? And they, and they also because remember when they played UNLV and it was sort of like UNLV with the bad guys yes. and Duke were the good guys. Yes, it was it was modern day Hoosiers and it and it and it did not feel very <laughs> it did good. Not feel because no, it was like Bobby Hurley and all those guys. No question, who the real good guys and the real bad guys <laughs> were. <in> that <laughs> yeah, it was uh, Duke basketball sucks. That's the end of the argument. I have to say, I know uh, Retta, who plays Donna Meagle on Parks and Recreation, is a huge Duke fan. Wow. She went to Duke. And I'm pretty sure, but she's also a very big supporter of yeah. their sports teams. And I'm pretty sure she listens uh, to the podcast. <laughs> Let's hope not. <laughs> so, we'll just take a second to apologize to Well, to say, to first Retta. of all, Retta, we love you yeah, more do. than anything. You are a wonderful person and you're a, a, a wild talent. Retta studied opera yeah. in college and is an accomplished opera singer as well oh as gosh. an accomplished actress. She has one flaw, really, as a human being. She has one flaw and it's her love of Duke basketball. Yeah. I mean. How does one person get that much talent? I, I don't know. She she really is a uh, the, her character on the show. Brief aside, became a sort of the 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 game of her character became that she was like an onion 
where you would learn a new kind of wild thing about her <laughs> that she just had layers upon layers upon layers. And that was just based on the real Retta because you would learn yeah. Retta is a huge LA Kings fan. She's an African-American woman who loves hockey and loves the LA Kings more than almost, I think more than Duke basketball at this point. Probably. That, that is the LA Kings are awesome. They're great. LA Kings are great. LA Kings she's are become awesome. their, their biggest booster. Wow. So her character became that person who you just everyone she would just keep dropping new information about how she was she had a she had an ex-husband who lived in denver or something and people go what and she would sort of wave it off she loved seattle she loved going to the fish markets in seattle we learned that about her in season seven (laughs) Um, but that was based on the real person because she just is that person in real life that's so awesome anyway duke basketball sucks uh, and now we're that that completes our draft. No, no, we have one more segment. Oh, we need we need a song. Oh, uh, <laughs> hang on, I gotta get back and in, in put on my musician's hat. You want to play it? Do you want a prompt? <clears throat> no, I don't. Okay, I, I don't think I even have it. Oh, um, okay, got it. <laughs> <laughs> it's one last meaningless thing. Wait, hang on, let me find, I have to, I have to find out. It's, it's, one, it's one last meaningless thing to end this meaningless thing. We talk about sports and we draft things we know, like how beaches are terrible places to go. No hot fruit for Michael, no Diet Coke for Joe. <laughs> The podcast oh, meaningless thing. Yeah. Outstanding. There's, there's no lyrics on this table. There's no prompts. That, all from memory. That uh, is. Could you have done that from memory? No. <laughs> one word of that song. I did. Ha- I did change uh, because you res- you you had a problem with diet coke. I did, which you solved. You quit. You. I quit. quit. Quit Diet Coke. More than a year now. And you had the... They sent you a new lyric. Yes. Which you lost. Yes. That is correct. <laughs> so the recorded version still says, more Diet Coke for Joe. The fact you know this. me crazy. <laughs> so, I, so I changed it in my version. Thank you for doing that. You're welcome. Wow. And congratulations on kicking the habit. Yeah, I stuff's think no good. It's not good for you. Um, do you want to do your meaningless thing, or do you want to do you want to go first or last? Um, I'll go last because I, I uh, had one and I've forgotten. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my one last meaningless thing comes from a sporting event that occurred today. Yeah, not okay. our game. Oh, but rather the Penn State Pitt football game. Sure. I'm going to read to you uh, from the ESPN.com official uh, uh, account of the game. Are you ready? Down a touchdown with the ball at the Penn State one and less than five minutes on the clock Saturday, Narduzzi, I feel like that's Pat Narduzzi, the pit coach, Narduzzi opted to attempt a field goal on fourth down instead of going for it. So it's fourth and one, less than five minutes on the clock. He's down by seven. He kicks, he goes, he kicks a field goal. The 19-yard kick clanged off the left upright, giving the Nittany Lions the breathing room they needed to escape with a 17-10 victory. Here's the quote. Here's the money quote. (laughs) You need two scores to win the football game, unless you guys are playing for overtime, Narduzzi said. We're trying to win the football game. (laughs) So, to recap, he's down by seven at the one with under five minutes to play. Correct. He thinks, well, I want to win this game. So instead of trying to score a touchdown to catch up i'm going to kick a field goal and he's also i think forgetting that if he 
if he really wanted to win the game, he could go for the touchdown and then go for two. <laughs> so you don't actually need two scores. That man is a pro- is a professional coach. The state of Pennsylvania, I guess that's a is that a private university? Pitt? Someone is paying that guy a lot of money to coach their football team. Yeah. That's a fireable offense. Hey man, said. they're not paying him to teach math. That is true. <laughs> Maybe they should pay someone else to teach him math. Yeah, maybe. That's horrendous. I mean, I cannot believe that's an insane thing to say. I'm trying to win the football game is what he said. When he kicked the field goal. He went for the field goal down seven with under five minutes to go with the one yard line. I'm trying to win the football game. The worst. All right. That is good and meaningless. My one last meaningless thing is, uh, and you can go to Twitter, my Twitter at uh, Jay Posnanski to see this. Uh, it is a moment from the Thursday night uh, Panthers, uh, who they play, Falcons, wherever the heck they played, uh, game where a referee, um, they were marking for a first down. They were, they were looking. Referee came over, picked up the ball, moved it like an inch. Barely, just like a total like an inch. Then, like, was decided to throw it across the field um, to to another referee, but fumbled it and kind of like scrambled around, and then threw it across the field. Then ran away, and then the other referee just kind of marked it wherever he wanted to. Had no idea, and basically moved the, the ball up about a yard. Mm-hmm. It was short of the first down by the yellow line, <laughs> significantly short by of the yellow line when the, the referee first got there, and then it was uh, significantly past the first down marker when it was finished. And it's one of the funniest things I've ever seen. And of course, it is Mike and I's. Pretty much our favorite thing in all of sports. It's like a it's a it's like a Rube Goldberg machine <laughs> where every aspect of it doesn't work properly. <laughs> it's definitely worth watching if you haven't seen it yet. It is the it is the like in the court case that Joe and I in the federal court case federal that court we're case, bringing right. about why the the uh, football is stupid. It is Exhibit A, don't you think? <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. absolutely. That one video, that eight second video, is Exhibit A. Of why football is the stupidest sport, and here's here's sort of a, a sort of an added part of this thing. So so I mentioned how stupid this was, and then people started responding, and there were people that that came to defend the official. So like like one came in and said, "Well, he moved it up the inch, the first inch, because that's where he was marking the ball. He was marking it." I'm like, "He marked it. He moved it up like nothing. Like I, I'm I'm holding a small distance between my fingers. That's how much he moved it up." Right. Okay. So that's first of all stupid. Why did he move it up like that? Though I I had it marked a little bit. Like like he had that kind of precision mm-hmm. where he could see it. Yeah. Then. He throws the ball across the field. That alone is like the dumbest thing I've ever seen. And then he throws it across the field and fumbles it and like flips it over. And then that other one wasn't even looking to see where the ball was before. No. And he and so somebody came in and said, oh, but he'd already called it a first down. So once it's a first down, it doesn't matter where the ball's marked. I'm like, is that really your argument? First of all, they shouldn't have called it a first down. It was not a first down. But secondly, is your argument it doesn't matter where the ball is marked? Is that your argument? Look, I'm the, re- the I'm, I'm the referee of this football game, and my job is to put the football down at the right place. But it ultimately doesn't matter where I put it down. <laughs> That's a bad sport. It's a dumb Dumb, dumb sport. All right, Nick. One last meaningless thing, buddy. Well, I'm going to go with uh, uh, bacon. I'm going to go with a bacon-themed sure. meaningless thing. Sure. Across, uh, 
one of the great benefits of uh, our time in Parks and Recreation, and mine specifically with the character of Ron Swanson, was that it seemed to coincide with these uh, social movements where bacon, uh, whiskey, and all things sort of uh, hedonistic, and mustaches <laughs> all sort of had a, a moment. <laughs> And I don't, and I don't think we were the cause of it. I think we were the beneficiaries of it. And so I've had a, a lot of bacon thrown my way over the years. You know, ten years since we started Ron Swanson, and there's an incredible habit of people trying to add bacon to other things or to do things with bacon besides fry it in a pan and put it in their mouth. Yes, and. Uh, I'm I'm strongly against that. <laughs> bacon is something that doesn't need any help. Cook the bacon and eat it. You don't need to dress it up in any way. Um, and and frankly, it's it's offensive to the bacon to think that it would like to be alongside other flavors. <laughs> what what about like people that do like the crazy like bacon ice cream, right? They'll just put a little... No. no. Don't do it. Do, guess guess what doesn't need bacon? Ice cream. <laughs> guess what doesn't need ice cream? Bacon. <laughs> those are two great examples. Yes. Neither of those items need any help. They're both extremely delicious. Um, have you heard my thoughts about hot fruit? <laughs> I have. And uh, I have... I'm not. I have a, I have a collection of t-shirts. Uh, in opposition to your thoughts about hot fruit. So we're going to, this is the first of two, believe it or not, this six and a half hour long <laughs> podcast is the first of two that we're going to do. This is part one. You know, I just, you know what just occurred It's to like me. Lord of the Rings. It's Lord of the Rings, the first movie where people got to the end and were like, oh, there's two more of these coming out. Okay. There's two more Avatar movies coming out. <laughs> two, two thoughts. One, this is our first two hour podcast. <laughs> so that is an well, actual we have to, thing. We have to break this up, right? Oh, how break it up? We're doing another one tomorrow. I know, but we have, we'll do a four-parter. <laughs> All right, we might break it up. We, we'll still figure that part out. But here's the second thought. Our poor live studio audience is just is asleep <laughs> on the floor. <laughs> here's the other part of this thing. Uh, the one we're doing tomorrow, it just occurred to me. We're doing it before the game. What are we going to have to add? <laughs> 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 what what are we going to gain in the next 16 hours that we're going to be point. able to come up with another podcast? Before you answer that, can I just say, that, Mike, you just reminded me of something. When we would be working on Parks and Recreation, Mike is in charge of the whole thing, okay? So there's a room of brilliant writers writing stories that are three, four weeks ahead. We're down on the stage shooting. There's editing going on, and Mike is overseeing everything. And it was during this time that I started using Twitter for the first time to promote myself, uh, touring as a comedian or writing books. And so I, uh, to this day, I try to follow few people, but I followed Mike uh, at Ken Tremendous. And in the middle of the work day, I would look at Twitter and see that Mike would say, um, you know, uh, Giancarlo Stanton just hit his 17th triple. Uh, it's the first time since 1917 that a uh, six foot four play and I, I would go find Mike and say, how are you consuming? And, and the fact I've been with Mike all day and the fact that he said, 
my one last meaningless thing is an entirely different story <laughs> that I've somehow re- consumed and and developed a strong opinion about completely in your company without you noticing. Yeah, like that, that's, he's also tweeted seventeen times since we've done. <laughs> he, he is a savant. Uh, so that's a little bonus meaningless thing about you. All right, well, we got to figure out what we're going to talk about tomorrow, but we'll do that later. Uh, maybe we can talk about the fact that Mike Mustakis just did a home run. What is it? No. 34. 34. Oh, we need, 34. We, we need a 34. Do we? Oh, yeah. All right. We're, so we're, just as your final update, that is the 25th person to hit 34 home runs. The record is 31 set in 1999. It's possible. We Guys, can get it. We can get oh, wait. No, I read it wrong. He's the 30th and the record is 37. Oh, it can happen. All right. All right. We'll keep an eye out. Mike, as always. Well, first of all, Nick. Thank you. It has been a pleasure to do this live. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, as always, thank you. Thanks for having me.